Hey, hey, everyone. It's 372 pages. We'll never get back. This is Michael J. Nelson along with Connor Lestoka. We work together over at Rift Tracks. Connor came to me one day and he said, there's a book you're really going to hate and I want to read it with you and say things into a microphone. So we did. Connor, how are you? Good, Mike. And yeah, the uh, we've been using that tag as a book, book club about books. We're probably going to hate for this for some reason. And, uh, you know, I don't know... If that necessarily applies to this new book that we're going to start reading. Oh, not at all. <laughs> uh, Spoiler alert, not at all. Yeah, we've read a few books that we, you know, we enjoy. And, you know, I think that we we hated Sean Penn's book. Uh, we, we came close to, to hating Ernest Klein's book. But uh, th- we're also reading some books that are just sort of out there and extremely uh, amusing and uh, borderline enjoyable to read. And I think this is going to fall into that that uh, Jim Tice, Eye of Argon category, <laughs> that uh, Dwight David Thrash, 64 Squares territory. Just just my guess. I I don't think you're far off the mark. This is, this is an odd one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, why don't you uh, explain what it is? Yeah, and, so uh, we we talked about it before, and uh, so we didn't do a, a whole intro episode about it. But we're reading "Trucking Through Time" by Charles E. Harris. Charles E. Harris, the former uh, equipment truck driver for the Tennessee uh, Volunteers College Football Team. Uh, so it was published in uh, 2002, I believe. Well, self-published, I guess, through a, some sort of print-on-demand. And uh, Charles E. Harris, unfortunately, is no longer with us, but uh, he he left behind this uh, this gift for us all. It's been a pretty much undiscovered book until uh, one of our listeners recommended it to us, and now it's uh, it's currently selling uh, way more copies than any book I've ever written on Amazon. It's gotten the three seventy two treatment in terms of if you bought the Mister, you might enjoy Trucking Through Time. If you bought New York Times bestseller Ready Player One, uh, it's recommending you Trucking Through Time. So, well done, everybody. Holy cow, I, I have to admit, I did not know that the author was no longer with us, <laughs> and I I felt a little twinge at that. Uh, I didn't know. Yeah, he seems, you know, based on the book, he, he seems like he's probably a, a, a nice guy. Uh, not a good writer, however. <laughs> uh, well, hang on. We, we, we're not sure of that <laughs> okay, yet. Okay, okay. Well, the evidence will, 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 will start to mount. <laughs> yes, but uh, only in the... Only in the final episode will we reveal whether or not he was a good writer. <laughs> uh, hey, before we get going, I just wanted to uh, there's uh, I just wanted to throw a couple things at you. Mm-hmm. I like to surprise surprise you occasionally at the beginning of this podcast, and this is no exception. I'm going to throw some duos at you, and I just want your you know impressions, like your quick impressions of these duos, these famous duos. Okay, uh, Bogey and Bacall. Uh, you know Hollywood, Hollywood royalty, the 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 I, the first iconic uh, sort of Hollywood power couple, uh, Laurel and Hardy. Uh, comedy in the sense of what comedy was a hundred years ago. Oh, you are so you whippersnappers. <laughs> Laurel and Hardy are uh, geniuses, geniuses. Speaking of geniuses, Crick and Watson. Oh sure, Could yeah, you? yeah, yeah, yeah. I learned all about them freshman year biology. We wouldn't be uh, we wouldn't be on twenty three and Me without those two. Double you, helix uh, and I, I think you could probably physically describe most people on this list. Crick and Watson, <laughs> it took me a second to go, are they, are they just kind of like skinny guys in suit coats with patches on the elbows? And I, I looked up a photos of them and pretty much. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm picturing far side scientists. Yeah. Thelma and Louise. Never seen it, uh, but have seen the Simpsons parody. Okay. I know how uh, it ends. Yeah. 
Jay-Z and Beyonce. Uh, sure. Um, I made a, uh, before I took a 4th of July vacation, I made a rap classics playlist. And uh, Jay-Z's music is still not available on Spotify. He's sticking to title. So that'll listen oh, to- I did- yeah, I didn't know that. I don't listen huh. to much of it, but you know, I appreciate them for what they are. Chad and Dale. <laughs> oh, Chad and Dale, boy! Give me a physical description first. Well, they couldn't be any more different. These two, these two uh, Marines who <laughs> both served in Nam. We've got uh, Dale, who I think is two hundred, a hundred pounds larger than Chad, and. Uh, which is surprising to me because I, I figured them both for being your your typical trucker wearing uh, you know Wranglers and uh, they wear baseball caps, not uh, cowboy hats. Um, I'd, I'd say they're probably pretty doughy, uh, but you know maybe maybe that's strong sort of doughy since they both are uh, both are black belts in karate. Maybe like a NFL lineman sort of doughy. But Chad's only a hundred and fifty pounds. <laughs> I mean, he's. I mean, that's, that's not less than me. I don't mean to. You know, I'm not body shaming anyone but he's he's he, you know he's not wee but he's he's a little guy sure yeah i guess he's that uh he's stocky uh and but dale 250 pounds long hair mustache classic <laughs> biker look i believe is how he's described well yeah for for many years before he got into the trucking game he uh he evidently rode a motorcycle uh, and we're we're left to to assume it was professionally so right anyway that is uh <laughs> The uh, the heroes of the book, and uh, they dominate the first two chapters, which we're going to go through on this episode of Trucking Through Time. So, uh, uh, and by the way, we have all departments. This being the first episode of uh, what are we on season? Is this season eight? Eight. eight this is yeah. our eighth book. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And we are good lord. We are approaching. This is going to be episode forty eight. So we're approaching fifty episodes. And and last month June. On uh, according to our podcast uh, statistics, I have no idea how accurate these are, but we hit the uh, half a million download mark. Oh, is that uh, how does it? I don't have any idea how that stacks up. Uh, yeah, me neither. But it sounds impressive. <laughs> I mean, you know, you, you 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 know, I guess you just keep making more episodes and people keep hearing them. But uh, and I have don't know if that's like repeated downloads or anything. But um, I think that your average Joe would rightfully consider that an impressive feat. That's good. I, why would you download our episode twice would be my, unless they were an error, I guess. <laughs> right. Yeah. So who knows? I, I, we don't have one of those like GeoCities hit counters on our, on our website. So that's the, <laughs> this is what, this is what we have to, uh, to, to, to gauge this now. So I'm sure the sponsors will come running now that we've got that uh, impressive round James Wynn-esque number. Right. Uh, so yeah, all the departments meaning uh, we're, we're going to be reading, uh, Mail, we're going to be doing uh, fanfic or real. I will be put on the dock. I'm assuming that I will. Oh, I'm yeah, yeah. To, to and I'm going to on the dock. I'm going to tell you right now, the uh, based on, I don't know if it was my, my shaming or my challenge, but the fanfic writers stepped up their game this time around. They uh, There's no more, um, you know, novelty fanfics. They, are, they wrote some <laughs> very legitimate sounding things that could take place in this book. So it's going to be a tricky one. All right, well, let's dive in. First, a note. Uh, have you ever picked up a book? I mean, this has only happened a few times, but and I guess it would be some classics or something like that. There would be a note on the font. Have you ever seen that? <laughs> yes, it always <laughs> puzzled book, me. This book needed 
a chapter on the font. What in the name of hell is going on with this font? Yeah, we thought that uh, that the Dwight David Thrash's book was difficult to read. This one is insane. It makes you, you know, it makes you appreciate what you take for granted in every other book. I tried to read it in a car ride, and I felt myself kind of getting carsick from from trying to piece together. I think I believe it's Courier News. Someone said Courier New, and it is not. And I don't know if this is true of all couriers. Please don't attack me. I know nothing. I'm a Tyro. I know nothing about fonts. Uh, but there's no kerning at all, right? So uh, everything is the exact same space. So you you get giant spaces between the words. Yep, I guess that's what happened. Oh boy, yeah. Now that now that you point that out, that's definitely true. Yeah, I saw someone on Patreon refer to it as Times New Manifesto. <laughs> But well, I I referred to I said to uh, my wife like look at this this book I have to read it's so you don't appreciate fonts until you know I did the whole thing and then I just opened it up and I was across the room <laughs> and I I cracked it in half and she went oh god <laughs> so that's how striking it is yeah but he's in the in the title page and the table of contents and the dedication he used a, a perfectly normal readable font so I'm not sure what made him switch. Well, that could have been, um, you know, after the fact, you know, adding uh, uh, digital effects back into Star Wars or sure, something. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Speaking of that uh, dedication page, I want to, I want to, because there are people who aren't going to be reading along with this, because unfortunately, this book costs like twenty dollars on uh, on most of the uh, most of the e-tailers. But uh, excuse me, this says uh, we have the the back cover. Which says, after 35 years driving over the road, Mr. Charles E. Harris has resolved himself to enjoying the festivities and action of NCAA football. His driving now consists of hauling the football equipment for his beloved volunteers of Tennessee. And there's a out-of-focus picture of him. Then it, ha- then it has this second sentence, which is, which is interesting. Sometime after football season, he will be collecting data for his second novel. <laughs> and that that, I miss that. <laughs> that doesn't sound I mean that sounds weird but then you pair it with this page from his dedication he dedicates the book to uh his mother to uh you know uh, two other two other friends it sounds like who stood by him and then he dedicates it finally to Al who made the program easier for completion through his computer knowledge <laughs> So we have this sinister program that has been easier for completion, and then we have him collecting data for his second novel. So I don't know what he was up to, uh, what he was planning on doing, but it, it does sound a, a touch ominous when you take those two together. I uh, When I read that, I went back and I, I had to double check to make sure it wasn't to AI who made the program oh, wow. easier for <laughs> through his computer knowledge. I mean, so you have to assume that's just his grandson who came over and, uh, you know, de- deinstalled the bonsai buddy he had installed that was like spywaring up his computer his uh, to uh, to get him to be able to run notepad or whatever he typed this out on. His grandson, Al, you think? <laughs> sure. Nine-year-old okay. Al, bouncing Al on his knee. <laughs> Al was uh, my dad's name, um, which was Alfred, which he hated, and he hid that from everyone. And his parents gave him no middle name. So huh. my dad's name was Alfred Nelson, <laughs> and he only went by Al. And when I grew up, he was a fireman, and so everyone just called him Stosh. <laughs> which was just a nickname. So I thought my dad's name was Stosh, and then till one day someone called him Al, and I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> so anyway, my, my dad is a, a huge puzzle as far as his name. <laughs> that sounds about right. Well, yeah, so let's, uh, let's, let's get to chapter one. Uh, we, we only covered two chapters because they were, they were, they were long ones, and uh, they were uh, 58 pages of this 350-or-so uh, page book. So 
Let's dive in. Uh, let's meet Chad and Dale, or Dale and Chad. I don't know. Does it? It sounds like Chad and Dale is the way to go. Yeah, and you know, it's if you're if you're naming your 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 duo, and uh, it's it's two letters off from from Chip and Dale, another famous duo. It's going to make it really difficult not to think about that for the entire book. The yeah. re- the rescue rangers, but uh, so yeah, when we first meet them, they're they're planning a a. Their new trip, they're getting ready to meet with their dispatcher, um, and there are a lot of things in these first uh, first 20 pages or so that are sort of uh, painting the scene. Harris is sort of uh, establishing his, his trucker uh, credentials here by, by indulging in the utter main mundane details of trucker life. So it starts with Chad is refilling his cooler with knickknacks. <laughs> I, I would have. I wish there was a Vegas bet where I said, "What is Connor's first note?" <laughs> because that is exact. I would have won the house. So, so yeah, whether that's uh, trucker slang, we're all ignorant about. Uh, whether you're, whether that's what you call your slim jims and and uh, road sodas, I don't know. But uh, it's most of us associate that word with our precious moments figurines and uh, just you know little little. My, my grandmother had bird statues that she uh, would have. So that's that's what that's what we. We all had to picture when he was filling his cooler with that little Hummel figure. Yes, Hummel figurines, those cute, you know, yep. big-eyed little kids <laughs> picking flowers, and uh, yeah, uh, tchotchkes. Yes, but, so a cooler full of tchotchkes. <laughs> we'll keep that in mind as they truck through time. But they uh, they seem to. They, it says there seemed to be a change in their normal routine this time. Which, when you know the title, you're like, this must be, this must be a, a colossal shift. But the uh, the change. Is that they're instead of driving to L.A. from Atlanta, they're going to the Bay Area. So not like, uh, not really turning the world on its head here. But, but the way they react to it, <laughs> y- you would think so. I, I, I mean, I my God, yeah. this was the most confusing uh, opening to a book. I did not understand what was happening. I had to reread this. A number of times. Yeah, it's very, very odd because we don't know who these people are. We don't really know where they're starting until they start describing their uh, their their route in in extreme detail. But uh, but we do get their we do get their sort of sense of the uh, we get a, a window into their personality when he asks Dale, "Has he has he ever been to the Bay Area?" And Dale says, "No, and I have no desire to go there either." <laughs> <laughs> Which. I was a little confused because they kept strongly saying uh, the Northwest, mm-hmm. and and I guess it is considered the Northwest to people who li- I didn't know that sure. I didn't know that the Bay I I just thought it would be called the Bay Area, yes. uh, but the Northwest. Um, but this is Tommy is the dispatcher, and Tommy explains why they want to make this trip, and it's kind of like they're um, you know they're they're a buddy cop right they're the heroes of the trucking of this dispatch mm-hmm. uh, trucking. And so he says, uh, you know, I don't want to go there, but he's like, hey, 30 bucks to, <laughs> to go out of your way to Olala, Nebraska. Ogallala, N-E. Og- Ogallala, sorry, it, I left out that, yeah. It's written in the book as N-E, so I wasn't sure if that was how he said it as the... Uh... As as the dispatcher, but... <laughs> right, he said N-E. So yeah, $30. <laughs> Imagine all the knickknacks that I can buy. <laughs> wow. So the, they're driving from Atlanta to L.A. They get reassigned to the Northwest, and they have to stop in Ogallala. <laughs> and, and this sets them on a course of they change everything. Yes. The uh, Chad, or no, Dale. 
is absolutely freaked out. He loses his crap. And he goes bananas over this. He doesn't has no desire to go there. But uh, Chad calms him down, right? Oh, yeah. He says, don't worry, Dale. I knew a few shortcuts along the way to save time. Because he, Dale, Chad is Chad is well versed on those famous cross country shortcuts. You know, if you're if, <laughs> if you're driving uh, due west, you can just uh, you know you, you skip through uh, Mrs. Fletcher's garden, like the way I used to go to my friend Josh's house when I was eight years old. Um, <laughs> but then, so he 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 lets him know that he reassures him with the shortcuts. And then he gets to what the, the the sentence where I knew we were we had made the right decision. There's one of these in every book, but it was uh he he says I know a few shortcuts along the way to save time. Mere paragraphs later, well, there's only one way to go, partner. <laughs> and uh, then just to 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 reassure him, he says I twenty west, I fifty nine north, I twenty four west, I fifty five north, I seventy west across Missouri to I four thirty five north to I-29 north to Highway 6 west to Lincoln and pick up I-80 uh, to yes. Ogallala and onward through Nebraska, Wyoming, Utah, Nevada, and westward ho to California. Piece of cake. <laughs> oh, I, the, the memories of Dwight David came rushing back in. I was filled with warmth. And it was so good. Yes. Yes, it was. Uh, so that's all one sentence. A lot of a lot of people highlighted that as their dumb sentence. But that was uh, he D- Chad rattling that off the top of his head was was delightful. And a lot of people people wrote in to say it reminded them of the uh, uh, Saturday Night Live sketch, which is the Californians, which came out probably uh, a whole decade after this. But I, I cut a little piece of that that we can uh, we can roll in. Get back on San Vicente, take it to the ten. Then switch over to the 405 North and let it dump you out into Mulholland where you belong. Sure. At this time of day, it's going to be jobs. Are you crazy? Just get on the chin and get out of here. <laughs> that's, that's also very accurate to Californians. I mean, obviously, that's why it's funny, but we both know that. Yeah, so they uh, so Dale is then then reassured. He says, "I I, kn- I knew my partner would know the best way. It is the only way. It is the only way." He just said that. <laughs> um, I wanna. I don't want to lose this. I assume you made the same note. Who is this Marie character? Yes, Miss uh, Marie. Miss Marie, I'll have you back in plenty of time for you to be home with your weekend with Miss Marie. Chad said with a laugh. Because Chad's the funny one. Okay. I'll uh, take your word for that. Uh, I wanted to back up to, uh, he tells us later, but he shows us in the first, what does Chad say right off the bat? Oh, uh, how was your weekend? Great. Just not long enough. <laughs> I know what you mean. Seems to get shorter every week. <laughs> so they didn't have to tell us that they were the funny ones. Miss um, Marie... Uh, Chad said with a laugh as he took the paperwork and headed for the door. Smart ass, Dale responded, you best have me back or you know what Miss Marie will do. She'll whip the hell out of both of you. <laughs> wow. And I, I made the note right away. I'm like, is she a dominatrix? And then <laughs> later, I think it might be. <laughs> there are other references to her that make it seem like that might be the case. Wow. And the name so, sounds spot on for that. I mean. Yeah. 
Uh, but I, I don't know yet. We, chapter two doesn't resolve it, but there are tantalizing clues along yeah, the way. Yeah, that's so. true. That's true. There was something I he was dreaming later on, I remember, that uh, it might be uh, head, point to that. So you're, that can be your headcanon as we, as we read this book. We'll see what points to it. I thought it was weird. There was something that said, I, he says, meeting his wife and my dear friend Marie had all to do with settling him down. And I, if you read it normally... That is, it seems like a weird narrator insertion. There is no real narrator in this book. But uh, I think that was just like, it was like a, a misuse of quotes, like a, a quotation mark ended, but then the character kept talking or thinking, um, which we get a few of those as well in this book. Oh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't note that. Oh, yeah, wait a minute. He's think. Oh, he's thinking that. He's thinking. Yeah. So you get you okay. get you get long thinking quotes, and we might as well address that now. This is the defining characteristic of this book: is that characters talk and think, um, unlike anyone that has ever existed in 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 mankind. It's uh, when you, we can all, most of us, you know, can communicate with each other. We can converse. Uh, these characters. Uh, Start talking and uh, keep talking uh, well past the point where they would, you know, require or expect a response from their from their partner. Yes, and they they speak well. We'll we'll get to that. That will slowly <laughs> reveal itself. Oh yeah, here. yeah. Point, you realize that was how it was going to be the entire book. Their dialogue is quite something. But let's meet the guys. They mm-hmm. are both. Uh, let's see. One's Dale's an ex-marine. Well, sure. Let's let I'll read. No, this whole sorry. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Chad and his partner were as different as night and day, and the most unlikely team you could imagine. Uh, <laughs> Chad was clean cut and a hundred pounds lighter, quick on his feet and quick thinking. But the main thing Dale liked about him is that he was an ex-marine and tough as nails. <laughs> Dale was an ex-navy seal, and they each spent a tour in Vietnam. And so this is something, believe it or not, that probably the most emailed thing we have ever received about. Uh, they are as different as night and day and most unlikely team. And so I'm just going to read one email from, from Brian. He said, I paused and imagined the most unlikely team I could. I came up with juror number five from 12 Angry Men and a pumpkin. Then I read that <laughs> Chad and Dale were the most unlikely team because Dale is bigger than Chad and has a beard. <laughs> Then I read that this is th- throughout the te- first two chapters. I read that both men are truckers, ex-military, black belts in karate, avid readers, enjoy Louis L'Amour westerns, currently are dressed in jeans, western shirt, black vest, boots, and baseball caps, and are both trained in CPR. So you can see how they're a, a comically mismatched duo based on all that uh, all that things they do not have in common. And. Um, the, uh, the dialogue that I noted, uh, there is no way to distinguish the way that they talk. <laughs> oh, it would, yeah, it would be a, a guessing game that would be just throwing darts at a, at a dartboard blindfolded. It, this is obviously all of the words are the words of Charles E. Harris with <laughs> no, there is no character work in this at all. It's, You're done with it now. One has a mustache. The other is, you know. <laughs> That's fat and skinny, mustache, non-mustache. That's it's, all we get. It is extremely disorienting. They both call each other partner. They both call each other boy. And they both, the only way to actually tell is that they both have the very disconcerting habit of using their each other's first names um, when there's nothing in this situation that would that would call for it. Right. So so they're all worried about this. And, and I just thought, 
as he describes this, Chad describes the driving that they're going to be going through to make the extra $30. <laughs> um, it says the fog gets so thick you can slice it and it li- and lies sometimes about a foot off the ground. You have to drive by the telephone poles to stay in the road. You can't tell what's under the fog until you apply the brakes. With the wind blowing as it does up there, you can be off the road in a flash if you aren't careful. And speaking of the wind, if there's <laughs> snow on the road, you have to be extra careful. It blows in gusts, sometimes 60 or 70 miles an hour. You've experienced the whiteouts in Michigan and Ohio. Well, when you run into one out here, it could last for hours or even days. You should not be driving through this for the love of God. (laughs) For $30. (laughs) No one should be driving through this. You're going to kill children. You're going to run over someone's minivan and kill a family, you idiots. (laughs) But we've all been on freeways. We know they don't. I mean... I guess when you're driving through the mountains, but they close them off. You can't drive through that. <laughs> right. It is the, the the weather has concerned him unlike any other. It's like you're being told you're going to drive through, uh, you know, a, a military escort through through war torn Iraq or something in 2002. It is yeah. his, his fear and his uncertainty uh, about having to check the weather for a, but I believe, three day trip. <laughs> yes. Is uh, it, it was just like it's it's the classic just. Uh, you know, dad on vacation, like checking it once every hour just to make sure nothing is happening. It's like, you know, you know these things traditionally do not come out out of nowhere. Uh, you know, storm of the century, what you're describing. They're usually sort of lurking uh, on the periphery. People know a hurricane is coming. People know a uh, three foot blizzard is going to happen. It just doesn't sneak up on you. You also have this, I believe there is a trait that is common to truckers that we have known for some time. I believe that is radios. And communication is pretty much one of your, the three things I know about truckers. Yes, exactly. They arm wrestle uh, and they... <laughs> they call people, uh, they uh, try to win back their uh, estranged sons. Yes, exactly. Pretty much it, yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so there, so he's, he's really, uh, he's really setting it up like this. And not only is he concerned about the weather, he's buying, uh, a lot of supplies. And this is the first exchange where I realized that the dialogue was, was sort of like we talked about before. Uh, Chad gets back, he's bought several bags of, of goods from the store and, uh, he's, he's handing them up to Dale. And so Dale, uh, is, is taking these bags and says this entire exchange without a response from Chad. You buy out the whole store? Damn it, boy. I don't know where to put all this loot. We won't have room to store it all up here. I'll have to put some under the bunk. Guess I could find a place for this canned food, though. And so Chad is just standing there holding the bags as, as Dale says all that to his face like he's he's lapsed. His computer program has frozen as he's... <laughs> I don't know where to put all this. Like he could say, well, how about under the bunk? And then Chad is, Dale is, is, is puzzling it all out in real time. Uh, but the items that he does buy, <laughs> multiple books, tarps. Now, he handed up two bags. We don't learn whether there are more bags. Mm-hmm. Um, I assume there are, but he's coming out carrying them. So I don't know how many bags Chad can carry, being 150 pounds. <laughs> so I assumed he was just like handed him the two bags, and then they later describe it as... Books, tarps, bungee cords, food enough for several trips to the coast and back, a knife, binoculars, and it just goes on and on. It is a magical two bags that he brings 
from like you know Louis's truck stop or right. whatever. Yes, exactly. The uh, the he says also says I picked up some items for your enjoyment too. Chad answered with a slight chuckle. I can imagine knowing you. Never addressed. <laughs> we're left to assume they're dirty trucker magazines, but we're never addressed. And and then he says uh, he says. The, the, the items he questions. So yes, he hands him a uh, Bowie knife with a scabbard. Uh, he he accepts that. He but then he says, "Okay, tell me about the books and the tarp. The rest I can figure out on my own." <laughs> so he wants to know about the tarp, and then Chad's explanation for the tarp is: the tarp is in case the wind gets up and rips off one of the existing tarps. <laughs> so it is exactly why you would buy a tarp. It is a spare tarp. In case that happens, um, are are you going to make me a cute raincoat out of this as we travel? No, it's it's an extra tarp. Oh, yeah. okay. Right. What is this spare tire for? <laughs> oh, well, that's in case we get a flat and have to replace one of the tires. Oh, all right. Meanwhile, the Bowie knife is just glistening. Uh, the other assumption that I loved, just because I, I I saw one on the drive back from North Carolina this weekend, uh, Dale says, "We going to stop at a Yogi Bear campground along the way." And those are just a series of, uh, you know, a chain, I guess, of, of of car camp campgrounds along freeways. But I just I loved that that was his uh, his assumption about where, where they were going to spend their time was just not even a campground, but going straight to the specific brand name of, of the campgrounds that you might be able to stay at as truckers. I uh, thought, given the sort of childishness of that question, was like, can I play with the tarp there? Would be next, <laughs> yeah. If we do. No, you leave the tarp in the package until yes. the first tarp breaks. Aw, guess I'll just go back with my mystery bag of porno. <laughs> Here's the, uh, you talked about people talking and then no responses. This one's pretty good. Uh, he hands him these books. The books are all about the history of the areas we'll be traveling across. We'll pass historical sites where actual battles are fought and drive roads the Pony Express traveled. I just thought it may interest you <laughs> to actually see the challenges the early frontiersmen and Indians faced after you saw the layout of the rugged terrain, not to mention the severe weather conditions. <laughs> anyway, I thought you might be interested in reading. Oh Still, my God. It goes on for another couple sentences <laughs> with Dale just sitting there. Uh, I mean, I, I guess he's eating a sandwich, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, it, it is. It's oh, just... no, he's not yet. He Then he hands him the sandwich. <laughs> so maybe the whole time he was like, Two hands trembling, like, oh my God, when is he going to hand me the sandwich and coffee? Maybe he's that. He's still talking. It, he's it, still talking. It could also be just like, you know, Homer Simpson staring with, you know, like, uh, it's just with blank eyes as someone's yeah. talking to him and he's, he's zoned out into his own head or something. <laughs> just hand me the sandwich, boy. <laughs> Uh, you know, this is a, uh, the, the, there's some, some more weather discussion and it, it uses some of the, uh, normal human speak that we're all familiar with. I didn't tell Dale about that storm that hit the Southern coast of California last night. Heavy wind and lots of rain means it will be in the form of snow when it hits the Rockies. <laughs> I, I hate it when, when rain turns into the form of snow. It's, uh, it's just a... a a thing that I hate. It's uh, so we 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 get more of that. Just uh, peeps, not not the way people talk. What form will the rain be taking today? <laughs> um, so the books you were talking about is uh, was interesting, and, and the books play a very a very major role in this uh, this first section. Dale is always reading the books. For the most part, he reads them to put them to sleep. 
but uh, we get we get a glimpse at them. He's talking about settlers, I guess, pioneers in the uh, in the gold rush era. And uh, I think Chad says this. It's impossible to to say, but he says the uh, the Indian may have been cold blooded, but you can rest assured the white man did a lot of unnecessary and cold blooded killing of their own. They may they called the Indian savage, but if you read the book about the raid the cavalry made on their villages at various times, you would wonder who the savage really was. <laughs> yes. That was one of the sentences I, when I first got the book, I sent to you uh, via text. <laughs> said, yeah. I hope this blows your mind, man. <laughs> yes, it did. It made me, I, I reconsidered my whole worldview like a uh, freshman, <laughs> freshman English comp, uh, composition may have. I, uh, I brought it up at the time, and I may have said this before on podcast. Who knows? I'm old and my brain doesn't work anymore. <laughs> But in high school, a friend of mine wrote a paper and gave it to all of us to, uh, he's like, I think this is going to be pretty good. And he was uh, writing about the Cold War. And his final sentence was, or are we all just pawns in the ultimate game of chess? <laughs> and, you know, we're just like, I'm a junior in high school and all these yahoos and I are like, oh, you son of a, <laughs> we're just like throwing tomatoes at him. And Even we knows him. that like, sucks. Come on, man. Wow. He's like, I think this is going to get me the A, man. Oh. <laughs> God, you suck. That's uh, imagine, what this reminded me of. Yeah, so many college admissions uh, essay readers must have to experience stuff like that all every single day. Yeah, right. But it did. I think it made it made me the. I think the alt title for the book should be "Woke Truckers." I think that would be uh, <laughs> nicely adapt to 2019. Yes. Oh, okay. So, uh, where are we on the journey? Oh, I think well, they. They've they've fueled up multiple times. There's gas cards. They do the fueling process. They go to the bathroom. They check out the weather channel. Um, but they then they then they get right back to driving every time. I, there was a thing that amused me is that Dale wound the truck up to 74 miles per hour and asked, "Do they bother you with this speed?" And I was like, "Well, they may for driving such a weird specific speed." Uh, but the uh, the First moment of drama comes when uh, Chad tells Dale a story. Oh, the story! <laughs> yes. So uh, the uh, the story is uh, it takes three pages of the book, and the story is there was a storm and seven truckers die. That's why I always candle carry extra candles. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's any more details you want to provide from there, but that is that is all we really get. There was a uh, the truckers froze to death inside their cabins because their trucks uh, their trucks uh, were not up to the to the horrible storm. This was a moment where I honestly thought, I mean, this is going to come up numerous times on this, but a large Marge from uh, <laughs> Pee Wee's Big Adventure. <laughs> sure, That's it, it was a night. I thought it was going to be. It was a night very much like this night. Right. <laughs> the rain had taken the form of snow, and it was blowing across. In nope, it's a. <laughs> It's just a story of how he carries candles, but it has like this dark heart to it. But it's not a story. No. <laughs> it's like a, a a news item, like, you know, just a... Yeah, it's yeah, trucker a, lore. Yeah, there was a very bad storm, and uh, so carry a candle. <laughs> how did you like my story? Yeah. And his his response is, I don't think I could sleep very well after a story like that, <laughs> said the hardened black belt ex-Marine <laughs> Vietnam vet. <laughs> And so I thought maybe it was just because it was such a terrible story that he would be lying in bed being like, why did he tell me that? It, it had no arc. It had no drama. Now I can't sleep. Ah. Um, here's the uh, thing that made me think. Now, obviously, 
we uh, we know that this is going to be there's a supernatural element to this story, but this does not bode well for uh, how time works. Here was a sentence that got me thinking. Oh God, Charles, do you even know how it works? Neither of them like to stop much, and that made the miles go by quicker. Plus, they made better time. <laughs> so. <laughs> His knowledge of time is, seems to be, you know, the ver- the bare minimum of uh, of what you need to know about it. So I'm <laughs> yeah. I'm looking forward to how this is all going to work out. Yeah, there are passages later where they just, you know, they they ask what time it is. Then a character says one paragraph, you know, one continuous wall of text, and then suddenly it's three hours later, um, just as they sit there in silence. So it is going to be uh, we're trucking through time, but we, we it may be a, a hard thing to tell exactly how much time we have trucked through. I love that. I mean, it's it's coming up, but I noted that too. He asked him what time it is, and he's like, "It's oh five hundred, and it's in the same paragraph. He said neither of them spoke for a while until <laughs> he spoke again and said, "What time is it now, partner? It's oh eight hundred. So he asked him that exactly. <laughs> And then he sat there silently for three hours. <laughs> Just lapsed into, uh, you know, maybe it's like suspended animation, like when astronauts in science fiction go uh, travel many light years or something. <laughs> right. Well, uh, uh, the so the, 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 is this something people actually do? Do truckers divide up shifts like this as they travel cross country? Like, do they do this long haul? I mean, I know, I know Lincoln Hawk, Hawks did. Because uh, he had his son with him as he was doing his truck thing, but do they do they have just sleeping in shifts and and trying to do that? I have never heard of it, but <laughs> this is Charles E. Harris. I always assumed it was solo, and then you know the sleeping happened, you know at the at the at famous the truck stops. Truck stops right. that you see. <laughs> uh, but apparently this this must be a way they do it. But they, uh, I mean, they are getting that extra thirty dollars, so I guess that does bump it up into two man job gig. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, that is uh, that is roast beef and coffee uh, money there, my friend. <laughs> um, well, they uh, they they go into a restaurant. They stop, even though Chad bought all that extra food. But they stop at a at a restaurant. Uh, he says they were both dressed in jeans and western shirts, wearing black vests and boots. They fit. They felt they fit very well with the western scene. They were received in a manner that was friendly most always. So more of that, just standard human descriptions of uh, ways humans behave and are received in a friendly, most always manner. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But this is this was my favorite detail. Uh, When they ordered breakfast, Chad turned the menu over to see what was on the backside. Dale, most of the menus in Wyoming have a story, (laughs) have a story on the back about some battle or hardship situation. And so this is something that uh, I was not familiar with, but uh, we get a, a few few pages later. He tells him, when we go through Reno, we have to stop so you can read about the Donner family and their trip across Donner Pass. That story is one that is on the reverse side of every menu you'll see. <laughs> so this is so menus uh, out west where we both lived for, for several years are uh, just filled with with uh, descriptions of hardships or battles, evidently. I, I guess so. Facts King. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We well well we don't need to check Facts King actually. Oh, oh, because okay. uh you know how people are always worried about their our modern society. We've got Alexas in our house, we've got, you know, Siri is people are always worried that they're spying on us. And it turns out that the dark web 
is uh, full of these type of exchanges. You know, you put a Alexa in your house and uh, the hackers are able to tap into it and just uh, listen in on, on what's happening in uh, homes no. and businesses. Yeah. Really? Uh, I had always feared that. So like my breakfast this morning is probably already spreading across the, uh, yep, the there's dark prob- web. There's probably other podcasts that have tapped into this network and are, are listening to you, uh, you know, reading about the all-star game last night or something. Um, oh my gosh. But so I went on and I, I, I found a restaurant in Wyoming, a fancier restaurant, just cause I wanted to see if this was sort of widespread everywhere. Uh, and it turns out they have, yeah, just this, uh, entire catalog of people's conversations from, from Wyoming restaurants up there. Oh, wow. Did you, uh, did you download that, or you yeah, just yeah, 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 yeah. I actually, me? no, <laughs> no, I downloaded it. We can, okay, uh, we can, good. We can take a listen right now. <sighs> well, thanks for taking me out for dinner for my birthday, Dad. Hey, I wouldn't miss it. I'm, I'm just glad you wanted to come spend it with your old man in Wyoming. Your menu says, "Wow, this place is really fancy." Well, you deserve it. <sighs> it's been a rough year, getting laid off and. Losing Alice. Oh, it's, it's just really hard to admit she's gone. I loved her so much. I know. I know. But I know your Allison's looking down on you and she's so proud of you. Hey, whatever you want off there, it's on me. Okay. Wow. I, I don't even know how to pronounce some of this stuff. Well, I don't have to look any further. Bone-in, prime rib, medium rare. Wow. That steak costs $52. Well, hey, this is the best-reviewed place in town. Oh, check the reverse here. Oh, the tail of the Krieger party. Tail of the Krieger Oh, right. Yeah, this is your first time. Well, son, every restaurant in Wyoming has a story on the back about a battle or some kind of hardship situation. Huh. It's kind of weird. When their raft punctured on the Snake River, the Krieger family faced a nine-day hellish ordeal of hypothermia, dehydration, and hunger. While they were eventually rescued, their youngest son perished on the way to the hospital, and the parents, who blamed each other, eventually divorced. Try the stuffed pork chop with a martini. Oh, my God! Hey, hey, uh, what's on yours? Cheyenne Hospital Fire Disaster of 1923, 27 perished in what is called... I don't want to read this. I'll swap it with a menu off one of the other tables. Okay, let's see what this says. Fort Laramie Cholera Outbreak of 1891. Diarrhea was the leading cause of death of over 200 pioneers. Oh my god! Now I'll just grab another. This one just has a picture of a vulture lurking next to an emaciated African child. Oh, yeah, that one a Pulitzer. Dad, I think I've lost my appetite. Uh, here, here. No pictures on this one. The photographer who took that vulture picture, racked with guilt, killed himself four months after winning the Pulitzer. Why do restaurants do this here? These hardship situations just provide, well, you know, a little local color. Local color? That photo was taken into Sudan. Let me just grab you another menu. Uh, here. <sighs> The Battle of Little Bighorn. See? Some local color. Was fakes, just like the Holocaust. Dad, this restaurant is terrible. Oh, uh, I try to do something nice. Fly you out to Wyoming and take you to dinner. You, you've you been a real big wiener ever since your wife died. Oh, this has nothing to do with Allison. Maybe my wiener son who can't handle fun facts about hardships wants to order off the kids' menu. Waiter. One kids' menu, sir. I'm not ordering off the kids' menu. 
You don't even want to see which hardship is on the back. They even put hardships on the kids' menu. No, no, I don't want to see it. They've all been awful. Look at the damn hardship. That's that's a picture of Allison. That's my dead wife. You planned this whole thing? I've never liked you, wiener boy. Goodbye forever, Dad. Stuffed pork chop with a martini. You know, that actually sounds pretty good. Waiter! Wow. Yeah, so it was a a dark moment. Unfortunately, I wish there was a lighter version of that. That one's dark. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess there are lighter ones of people reading about hardships, but uh, that was the first (laughs) one I I came to. (laughs) Oh, man, that is sad. I I guess that's a way for him to provide just sort of color in what he felt was probably a seamless... Seamless sort of way. I mean, they're going to read about these things, and then they're going to truck back in time to experience them. But uh, I don't know. <laughs> Do you think uh, – so this was – what is it? 2000 – what did you Two, say? 2002? 2002. Is it – I mean, is it still – I guess it must be. This is yeah. a recent upload, so it's still going on. Yeah, well, huh. we've got you know people uh, listening all over the country. So if you're in Wyoming, please uh, write in. Maybe send some pictures if you're taking a, a summer road trip to uh, your the back of Wyoming menus. Uh, maybe Reno too, if you're there. I was in Reno uh, a couple months ago. I did I did not notice this, but uh, then again, I, I was in a casino. Maybe that's a more uh, maybe those are an outlier to the policy of every menu has the Donner Party story on the back of it. Was it uh, Reno where? Johnny Cash shot a man just to watch him die. Yeah, I guess it is a dark place. That is very dark. So that's a menu for sure. Um, Hey, before we get past it, I just want to point this weird thing out. Before they pull in for breakfast, I think Dale wakes up in the back and says, what's going on? You know, what's... Also, he says, 10-4, partner, are we in bad weather now? Just like, Dale, look out the goddamn window, idiot. Uh, But then he asks about the fuel. He says, fuel's good. Let's have some breakfast and fuel later. I don't feel like fooling with it right now, Dale said, as he wheeled into the truck stop. (laughs) And then they proceed to have a long breakfast. Yes. What the hell is going on? I guess that's, uh, maybe he meant like, let's fuel after breakfast. I, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> let's have some breakfast and fuel later he said as he wheeled into the truck stop well yeah they're not going to be making good time anymore if they're not uh if they don't i thought they both didn't like stopping so if they're going to fuel later that would negate that uh, one character trait that has been established i i that one baffled me um <laughs> But here's another fact, which I I need to, uh, I don't know how we find this out, but I guess the same people, if while you're eating at the restaurant, please check this out as well. Uh, Chad says to Dale, I forgot to tell you about the food out here. The meat <laughs> seems to taste a lot fresher and more tender. Which, uh, first of all, what the hell else have you forgot to tell him? Because they're <laughs> stacking up. <laughs> But wait, you tried to remember to tell him about the meat and then you forgot. <laughs> that is, we need to we need to see if there is a Fax King page for Wyoming because that is, I mean, that that's a big one. Um, if that is true, like that that might warrant a trip. But here's a counterfactual. Breakfast was satisfying and they were ready to go as soon as they had finished. Wow. So he the meat was so good, he had a story about it that he'd forgotten to tell him. Then they eat the damn breakfast, and it was satisfying? <laughs> I expected, my God, Chad, you are absolutely right. 
well, the meat is fresh and tender. Yes. It goes around back to see the, the stockyard that is literally 50 feet away that they're bringing the, bringing the steers over from. I have nearly dried the tears from the terrible tragedy I read on the back of my menu because of how good the meat is here. <laughs> well, we've all been in the experience where you, you know, you're either the friend or you're the a friend talks up a place and you finally get there and you're you're sort of halfway through it and you realize that he he over he overplayed his hand, so maybe that's what happened here and they both are just sort of letting it go without, you know, making the other guy right. humiliated. Right. Dale's just being a very good friend. Like, oh, no, no, it was, it, it was, it was very fresh, very, very tender, too. Yeah. He's still I'm bristle out of his teeth. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, this, is, this was a, a very good exchange, I thought. They, uh, David, Chad had been meaning to buy new binoculars for a long time because uh, <laughs> he lost his old pair, and then he finally did, and... Uh, and uh, and Dale is finally taking the first look out of them. He says, uh, "This is this was great. They call each other partner, but they all they also call each other boy quite a bit, which is uh, to me it's off putting. You know, yeah, it's just it's, yeah, it's not. It's I wouldn't. What if I started doing that to you, or we started doing it to one another? That would <laughs> that would not last long. It would yeah. Before, especially before one of us pulled the it. other aside and was yeah. like, uh, "What is what is going on here?" <laughs> but he says, uh, "Damn it, boy! I sure like these. Those mountains sure have a lot of snow on them." Hey, I see a herd of cattle over there in the field. Man, this is really neat. I can almost see the brand on their butts. I sure am glad you brought these. Bought these. I'm sorry. And then uh, Chad says, this, is, this was great. We get to Wyoming, you'll be able to see antelope, sheep, mountain sheep, that is, and all different kinds of animals. So I think, I think Chad got, uh, got a halfway through that sentence and realized he only knew two animals and just sort of punted <laughs> on the last part. And then he got one of the animals wrong, technically, because they are mountain sheep and not just sheep. <laughs> well, in addition to calling each other boy uh partner mm-hmm. uh which he says then he, he says this horrifying thing well partner <laughs> you should sleep like a baby full tummy oh god good road ahead and no bad weather in sight <laughs> full tummy yeah i mean you know it is it is the elephant in the room about these two men going through this journey together in the uh in the broke back, broke back mountain fashion. <laughs> I mean, this was probably right around the time that movie came out too. So it's it's in the back of my mind uh, whether or not there's a little romance a brewing. They have you know there's a time later where they're sleeping on bunks, both talking about each other's fat asses, um, <laughs> and so it's you know we'll, we'll we'll see if anything develops there. I mean, Miss Marie is a uh, is a is is talked about, but whether she's just sort of a front for them, um, whether there'll be romance through time, we'll have to see. Miss Gary Marie. Says, <laughs> uh, well, here's another clue. Uh, first of all, they don't like to stop. Um, they'll have fuel and breakfast later. And then they stop. Fueling and showering only took 45 minutes, and they were on their way. <laughs> 45 <laughs> minutes? Yes. <laughs> Was most of that like peeling themselves out of their tight cowboy jeans? <laughs> what the hell took so long? Yeah, I mean, you and I would never consider going into a truck stop uh, shower, but maybe it's like this unspoken secret where there's like full spa treatments and facial peels and, uh, you know, hot stone massages in them that takes uh, warrants a 45-minute stop. Damn, boy, that uh, lavender oil really uh, got me going. (laughs) 
Uh, I have an example of the Chad sense of humor, by the way. Oh, let's you know, hear it. He, he's the funny one, right? Sure. Uh, let's see. I'll teach you, partner. You may not want to drive a truck when we get back to Atlanta. You'll be so smart. You may just quit work and start back in school. Which, that's what he laughs at that. So, that's how I knew it was <laughs> okay, funny. Okay, good. Got it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> kind of them to specify that I was... I was... <laughs> Dale laughed. Laughed heartily at that. <laughs> Um, but then they, uh, they, they come to a, yet another restaurant, um, that they have stopped at. So the, the time is evidently not as, as important as, uh, we've been initially <laughs> led to believe because they have, this is the no. second place they are stopping. And, uh, this is further West, I guess, I guess this might be actual Wyoming, uh, because, uh, one of them says it's impossible to say who, damn it, boy, you are, <laughs> you and I are the only <laughs> ones in here without cowboy hats. These guys are for real real cowboys um and then uh then we get some more of that uh the the way that uh people people always describe i mean not that people but this was something i read about uh about uh, the room was that it sounded like aliens had observed people and uh, gotten about 85 percent of the way there in terms of being able to imitate them and this was this was the uh, a thought that reminded me of that type of thing uh, they're talking about uh patch over in the corner who's the pissed off tom Selleck looking guy Someone says, he doesn't look too happy either. Dale quickly looked the other way when the cowboy made eye contact. Now this is a real Western setting, he thought. <laughs> <laughs> Which reads like a uh, a note that the, uh, that the non-existent editor might have left or something like that. It's something that I'm constantly thinking when I walk into uh, various settings, that this is a, a, real, a real setting of the type of setting that I have just entered. <laughs> Yeah, the the cowboy hat thing made me think. So, the definition of a real cowboy is the hat. Yeah. So the naked cowboy <laughs> could not get more authentic than that guy. He is. Yeah. A, he's a any, real cowboy. Any given bachelorette party in Nashville, wearing like a, a pink studded rhinestone hat, real cowboys. <laughs> That's right. Oh, unbelievable! But we get a good exchange here. Um, uh, that was the uh, this this was one I was like this 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 type of dialogue in this book uh, felt very familiar to me before and this is this is where it clicked. Uh, Chad, of course, is is preoccupied with the weather. Um, you know, he has as we later come to know CB radio, a Qualcomm device in his thing. Uh, uh, and but he's rather than uh, you know turning to the TV, he's asking local diner waitresses. Uh, about the weather um known experts on that type of thing so he says anything we need to know about the weather west of here miss chad asked then the waitress replies uh all this is all one uh one exchange don't think so patch over there just came in from salt lake city he didn't say anything about the weather he's in for the rodeo if there was bad weather he would have mentioned it to me because he knows my boyfriend has to be here tomorrow to ride he has to come from salt lake city too only he can't leave until later tonight Shucks, we aren't supposed to have any bad weather all week. Coffee for the both of you. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. It is a Hall of Famer. So, I mean, you know, it's great. Like it's a uh, you know when you when you meet a character and you learn so much about them just on their their first introduction. Like you know, we know she has a boyfriend. We know he's in the rodeo. He's coming in from Salt Lake City. Um, we, we we get all that, and it reminded me of one of my favorite character introductions in all of history which is uh, the introduction in Ghost House of the character Jim Dalen. 
This is a movie we did at Rift Tracks, and uh, it quickly became the, stu- the stuff of legends because he pretty much does exactly this uh, the first time we meet him. Uh, I prepared the clip, but uh, just f- to set the stage, this is the first time this character has been seen by us or any character in the movie. And I think the, the question he gets asked is, who are you? And what he responds with, uh, let's just listen. Yeah, he walks into like a house that neither of them should be in, right? Yes, so yes. So both of them are in like unfamiliar territory. So this yes. guy just walks in. So <laughs> yes. here's... Here's Jim Dale. We were just looking for... Kelly LeBrock. That. Oh, yeah? It's mine. You live here? No. We're here on vacation. My camper's parked out in the yard. I'm here with my brother and his girlfriend. Our sister Tina's with us, too. My name's Jim Dale. Okay, we don't need your life story. Well... <laughs> so, yeah, it really is. He's announcing off-screen characters... He's realizing he forgot other off-screen characters. Uh, he's he's telling them about the their living situation in this house they don't live in. Uh, it's perfect. Yeah, I thought about this exchange. Like, she does all of this work, just a lot of spade work, explaining and speculating on why Patch might not have, if Patch, if there had been bad weather, Patch would have done this. Like. Patch is sitting right there. Just go ask Patch for the love of God. Instead of doing this Columbo thing, like, well, I think if there had, he would have told me. Like, yes, they've made eye contact. It, it could be like uh, Patch could have been like uh, Chad forgetting to tell Dale that the meat is much more tender in Wyoming. Patch right. could be sitting there being like, I did forget to tell him about that storm I drove through. Ooh, that might impact the rodeo. Yeah. Um. So then after this... They seem to lollygag about a lot, like we've we've pointed out. Um, but uh, Chad says to Dale, "We're almost we're almost to the fuel stop, Dale. If you will fuel the truck, I'll go in and pick up some things we may need for this particular trip." <laughs> wow! You, I mean, what what are you missing? <laughs> yes. You bought That's... extra tarps on the off chance the tarps would rip off your truck. A spare tarp for the spare tarp. I've just been fretting about that the entire time. <laughs> Maybe I, I guess more knickknacks. I mean, that's all I can think of. Yeah, it could be. Uh, they could just be like crushing up the knickknacks and snorting the 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 porcelain or something. That could be their <laughs> unspoken trucker habit. So maybe they need more. My God. Uh, yeah. So I, at some point in time. I was wondering, uh, it was way too much credit to give the author, but I was wondering if Chad had, like, knew something that Dale didn't. Like, I, I was wondering if he maybe knew about the time travel. And so he was stocking these things up and being like, "You'll, I'll explain it to you later. Like, um, there's a character in Stephen King's uh, uh, 112263 book where the... Uh, the, the diner owner has been traveling back in time to get uh, cheap meat, actually. And uh, he, he just he knows about this, but the main character doesn't know about it yet. So there's this sort of unspoken thing. But that I don't I don't believe that is what's going to happen. I think Chad is just being incredibly paranoid and weird about this trip. Yeah, I think obviously the author didn't know how to, um, you know, set up the fact that they were stocked for this trip, right. which, you know, if he had thought about it, you could have just said later as they went back in time they could have said well it's a good thing i bought a bunch of stuff because we're going back wet you know <laughs> yes there's no reason to it just is so bizarre and and speaking of did you look up the uh the qualcomm thing looms large it very does. large very and i looked it up obviously this is a tough thing to search because all they say is the qualcomm <laughs> um now 
I know Qualcomm because their sticker is on the back of every cell phone that exists. Yes. And uh, they have stadiums and they're a San Diego company. So you and I were familiar with their 10,000 buildings that were seemingly in every area of San Diego. Mm -hmm. But what is the Qualcomm? The Qualcomm. Yeah. Of a trucker. I don't know. I think it's a location device, but because they have a radio, so it's not a radio yeah, I guess it could be an emergency beacon or, yeah, just a, uh, a, a early GPS. But, yeah, I guess it's like you'd say uh, the Garmin in your car, like you might, uh, you might, you might say that. But they are, uh, for the amount of explanation you get about uh, menus and uh, tender meats, this is something that is, is left unsaid for us non-truckers to puzzle about. That was, it's a curious, it seems like something you would really want to drill down and brag about. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, seeing as, like you said, we got two paragraphs on I-90 to I-65 to I-70. Well, yeah, but, and it would be a good thing for Chad to be like, uh, Dale could be like, what's that? And he'd be like, you know, Dale was a, was a rookie trucker. Like, you know, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of non-truckers don't know about this Dale, but this here's the most important device us truckers ever used. Like the Qualcomm was able to, you know, oh, th- those idiots driving around normal cars wish they had one of these things. Yeah. Cause the whole thing is, is Chad explaining to Dale about the West, which, <laughs> D- you know, Dale has been completely you know, he knows more about Southeast Asia than he knows about uh, a couple hundred miles north of him. Yes. Dale has never been uh, past I-80, is what they, they say, which is, I believe, the interstate that goes into San Francisco. So, I mean, he could easily have been to many of these places in uh, Arizona, Colorado, Utah, um, but just he hasn't been to the Pacific Northwest, essentially. I guess. Um <laughs> Now, I don't have any more notes until the supernatural occurs. Do you? Uh... Yeah, I just said I wrote everything sort of dies. The the radio, the CB and the Qualcomm. Um, and they start not to notice any other traffic on the road. Uh, there's no more uh, cars or trucks that they're passing. And I thought this was a funny exchange. He looked at his watch and thought, oh, well, that easily explains the traffic. It's 1030 and I'm the only idiot on the highway. But that's Eastern time. It's only 830 out here and that's early. Not only that, it still doesn't explain why nothing works. So he's looking at his watch. He's thinking in real time, oh, but of course I've traveled two time zones. And then he's coming to the conclusion, this doesn't explain anything that I've just tried to explain. <laughs> but yeah, they, they then stop at a truck stop to go in to try to use the truck stop phone. And uh, the, uh, the Chad Dale gets back, shivering from the cold. All the phones are dead. I couldn't even get a dial tone. There was no one around. It's more like a ghost area instead of a rest area. This was said with a touch of fear and concern in his voice, uh, which is a great uh, a great modifier that I think uh, in, ascends into uh, said the robot pimp disdainfully a turf. <laughs> Add that on to any other uh, any other sentence in literature, and you, you, it really changes changes the tone of everything. You know. I I had read it in a jaunty manner, and all the phones are dead. I couldn't even get a dial tone. There was no one around. It's more like a ghost terror. Oh, this was said with a tone. Oh, damn it. Why did I wait? I went in so hard on that. Right, yeah. Uh, Mr. President, the bombs have started to fall, was said with a touch of fear and concern in his voice. <laughs> um. So they uh, then they see a herd of buffalo. We we get the yes. by the way this was the uh, the time discussion. Uh, what time do you have, Dale? I have o five hundred. You same as you. <laughs> that means it's o three hundred here, and about three or three and a half hours till sunup. 
And then Dale didn't answer, and Chad became very silent. Every horrible thought, blah, blah, blah. Time was passing very slowly. When Don't Chad... blah, blah, blah there. Don't blah, blah, blah there. Oh, Every sorry, horrible man. thought in the world came to their minds. <laughs> Every horrible thought. Yes. So they were, <laughs> they were dreaming about uh, cannibalistically devouring their grandmother. They were... <laughs> Licking a pile of dog poo, <laughs> like every horrible thought. You know, they they dreamed about uh, you know scars from uh, radiation from the a bombs that fell. Uh, uh, opening up their cooler and finding every tchotchke shattered into a million pieces. <laughs> right. Yes, uh, Wyoming uh, restaurants being out of the tender meat and having uh, meat from a from a eastern cattle ranch being trucked in instead. <laughs> so yeah, every horrible thought. Right. So time passed. And then Chad asked Dale the first question in a while. <laughs> what time have you got, Dale? Well, so, so three hours passed, but I guess if they were thinking every horrible thought, that is a, you know, it's a lot of time to sort that of puzzle is, those things out. That is very time consuming. <laughs> and then you would have, you know, every horrible thought would include variations on that. Like my entire family killed except Aunt Martha. Sure. Now I'm going to think about Every family member killed and Aunt Martha killed. That's another horrible thought. So it is every, very time consuming. Every hor- every family member killed Aunt Martha reduced to a, a vegetative state and she doesn't have insurance. So it's going <laughs> to bankrupt me. <laughs> yes. And then we see the buffalo herd. Oh, man. Yep. Crossing. So, yeah. Yeah. They saw uh, some some in- three Indians and a cowboy. And then they, uh, they finally... Uh, they see a a buffalo herd uh, thundering across the road. It's a majestic sight, um, and we get another great uh, alien pretending to be human uh, sentence. Uh, after the buffalo have have tra- traversed the road, Chad eased the truck forward. No one spoke for several moments, trying to absorb the scene they had just witnessed. Buffalo were supposed to have been gone from this area long ago, especially numbers of this size. Chad finally made his state. <laughs> <laughs> Chad finally made his statement of reasoning. Uh, you know, and that's, you know, I find myself making statements of reasoning all the time. That is something that I, I do many times a day. And Chad's statement of reasoning is, Dale, we just witnessed something that hasn't happened for 200 years or more. What a oh. statement of reasoning. <laughs> oh, please. I think it's worth reading the whole thing. Please right. go on. This is, so they Two- their truck has, all these weird things are happening. Uh, they see a, a cowboy and Indian, but you know, they'd seen real cowboys. So that wasn't very striking. That was just a, Oh, look at that. There's sure. guys riding over there. Then they see the Buffalo and then he makes a statement of reasoning. <laughs> I think you should read the whole thing. Okay. Uh, I think this is it. D- to my knowledge, there aren't men- that many Buffalo in the whole country. Is that the whole thing? Yes. That okay. paragraph. To my knowledge, there aren't that many Buffalo in the whole country. From all I've read about this area, there are only a few dozen in the entire state and they are in parks and zoos. There has to be a logical answer. They had to come from somewhere. Surely someone else saw them, because they would certainly be too hard to contain or hide without some news agency finding (laughs) out about an enormous herd of that size. They would keep this news on the television for weeks. Weeks! (laughs) Weeks, <laughs> and so imagine imagine any uh, you know scandal we've had in the past you know few years politically where you know it is wiped from the news within forty eight hours with the uh, with the news cycle we have now. And here is him speculating that uh, that a, a a guy hiding a herd of buffalo in Wyoming would be dominating national headlines for weeks. <laughs> well, his conclusion about it 
I'm fairly certain they've been hidden on someone's ranch for years to build up a herd of that size. And then speculating again about the media, we'll surely read about it in the paper soon. Yes. So I, so that was all one paragraph, everything we just said. After seeing a herd of buffalo go in front of their truck on a road out west, and I mean... Let me just rewrite that entire paragraph. If that happened to us, we're driving a car, we see a herd of buffaloes. Holy shit! <laughs> there. That's... Right. Yes. right. Yeah, The uh, it jumps straight to essentially a guy who has uh, Jurassic Park for buffalo, who has been building up a herd for years uh, secretly, and then one day decides, you know what? I should just let him thunder across Interstate 80 as my way of sort of revealing this uh, absurd project that I've been devoting the past three years to uh, mad science up this herd of buffalo. And it's not just speculation. He's fairly certain that's what happened. <laughs> yes, that's his logical answer. They've been hidden on someone's ranch. <laughs> I mean, they're obviously they could be seen by satellite. So I don't know how you hide a thundering herd of buffalo. <laughs> Some guy is dropping off. He's like, hey, I got that... Uh, I got that eight ton of alfalfa weekly delivery for you, Johnny. Uh, he's craning his neck around like the rancher. The rancher's like, well, you don't need to. Hey, hey, hey. Just, just, just don't look. Uh, there's nothing there. Nothing, nothing. Ignore that thunderous sound that's constantly looming in the background whenever you drop off this uh, absurd amount of hay that you're delivering. But Actually, I have a theory about how he kept them hidden. Cowboy hats. <laughs> so they, he's just like, wow, a lot of guys on your prop. A lot of real cowboys there. Yeah. Yep. It, that's all you need to know. Or uh, you know, this could be uh, where those uh, where those restaurants are getting that uh, tender meat from. <laughs> That's right. There's a reason you don't get it anywhere else. Uh, so then, the second supernatural thing, uh, something I'd never heard about before: thunder snow. Thunder snow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I feel like that is something that maybe is something that I've I've, I've read elsewhere, but it's not uh, not a common occ- occurrence. Um, I think it's it, like it's it's probably a phrase like heat lightning. It's not a real sure. thing, but I mean, I guess thunder snow. I guess there can be snow while it's thundering. I, right. I'm <laughs> sure that's true, but I've just never heard the term. Well, it probably isn't very unique because it has a it has a unique effect on these uh, two truckers' constitution. Um, it says before opening the door, a long streak of lightning flashed across the sky, followed by a loud clasp of thunder. It seemed to linger forever. And shook their very existence. <laughs> <laughs> the clasp of thunder did. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, and so, yeah, that's, I think that's the first settle down moment of this book. Is just uh, these, these, these guys, again, have been to Vietnam, earned black belts, ex-Marines. Uh, and then this, uh, this one clasp of thunder and lightning shakes their very existence. <laughs> so this is the first settle down? The, uh, I, that's true. You didn't give a settle down to the every horrible thought. Uh, in the universe went through their mind. <laughs> That's true. I guess that re- that reactively warranted one. But there was also, I, I didn't note it, uh, but there was a, uh, Chad issued one to Dale at some point in time. I forget if he was, uh, if Dale was getting a little too, uh, like humorous or joking around too much and, and Chad did tell him to settle down. Yeah, I think, uh, is it going to come to blows then when he says, he says, we'll just have to wait for the snow plow to clear it up. What time do you have, Dale? And he goes, damn it, boy. I still have 0800. <laughs> but if someone ever said that to me, I would instinctively punch them. In the face. Yeah. I, uh, my, my, my guy who lived three doors down, Chris Emery growing up, his, uh, 
his father, I mean, in the middle school would refer to him as boy. And I, it, it, it struck me as struck me as very funny. I caught up with him for the first time in decades and I asked him how he was doing. And I was like, I just always enjoyed how your father would refer to you as boy, even as a, <laughs> as a 14 year old. It's, it's uh, again, Homer Simpson. So yeah, it, sta- it stands out when people do that to non boys. Was it uh, was it that he had a lot of brothers and sisters that he just couldn't be bothered to remember? Or <laughs> he was younger than his brother. His brother was like in high school when we were in middle school, so it wasn't like he was that different. <laughs> okay. Uh, so that's the end of uh, that's the exciting end of chapter one. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, we've they've they've gone through a supernatural thing. They've now seen Buffalo, and I was I was thinking that we might get a more of a. Again, my impression of this book was that they were going to do sort of a, a Back to the Future thing and uh, sort of activate this time travel willingly, but it appears they've just been uh, spirited back uh, without their without their consent. Yeah. Oh, so you thought they would be the ones doing the the changing of time? Yeah. Again, it was just sort of my own ignorance, but I I, I assumed they would have a time machine just because I, I assumed the author uh, would sort of just be influenced by that uh, Back to the Future trope. So you th- you thought that like Chad would run into Dale's sad apartment with a uh, one chair and a card table and he'd like be wearing goggle future futuristic looking goggles and go Dale yes it's me I've Chad done it. what are you, what are you wearing <laughs> that suit is made from aluminum foil no yeah. it's a, a nanotechnology come with me yes that's what I would thought was going to happen oh damn well, <laughs> and I thought Dale was being coy. I thought Chad was being coy about it but oh well that's uh, that's my own prejudices are are showing so oh you thought you actually did think from the beginning I'm stocking up because we're going through time yeah oh that you know I wasn't even smart enough to that never <laughs> even occurred to me <laughs> Um, all right. Well, uh, it's uh, in the chapter break. We've only got two chapters this time. So right now is when we are going to do some fan fiction. Hit me. All right. Yeah. So we got uh, five excerpts, either uh, trucking through time, excerpts from later in the book or fan fiction. And like I said, they stepped up their game around. So good luck. Number one. Jim Eagle, <laughs> so yeah, we have not uh, <laughs> we have not read farther in the book. So we have uh, we're, we're there's pretty much uh, two characters. We're introduced to two more characters at the end of chapter two, but so we we don't know if any of these people are real or not. Jim Eagle signaled for Chad and Dale to come over. Below them was a man wearing overalls and a straw hat, crouched at the bed of the river, sifting its waters through a sieve. Chad turned to Dale and said. This person must be a 49er, one of the people who headed west during the gold rush of 1849 in the hopes of striking it rich in the untamed American frontier. (laughs) Maybe he knows where Patch took Slim Fox. I agree also, said Dale. Oh, that's it? That's it. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say that that's fan fiction, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Because at the end of chapter two, there is we've already met a patch, but there's another patch, and I'm not sure if it's the same one. So I think they're using the patch to to get me to to bite, <laughs> but I'm not right. biting. I'm gonna All let right. that one. I'm gonna let that hook drift by me. <laughs> All right, uh, here's uh, number two. You and I have just killed Custer by saving Slim Fox. <laughs> I wouldn't put it like that, partner. But if this is the case, then we must then we have been put here to change the course of history because Slim Fox, if he is sitting bull, must win the Battle of Little Bighorn 
or the whole complexion of historic events could and would be altered had we not saved his life. Maybe we're supposed to stop the general from attacking Dark Horse anyway. It sure looks that way to me, partner. When we get to town, we'll get a newspaper and check up on the local events to be sure we're approaching the situation properly. Oh, said the robot pimp disdainfully. <laughs> um, I think that's real. Yeah, right. You think that they're going to be uh, killing Custer and changing the course of history? Well, given their, yeah, their wokeness and all of that. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> all right. Number three. Hey, partner, what's got you so hot and bothered? Chad asked. That squaw, Dale said. Do you mean that peck on the cheek she gave you? She was probably just surprised to meet a white man who didn't try to rape her first thing. A, pe <laughs> <laughs> a peck on the cheek is no big deal, Chad said. What if Miss Marie saw that? Do you think she would think it was no big deal, said Dale? Chad thought it over. I guess you're right about that. Don't worry, partner. Your secret is safe with me. Mm, yeah, they've stepped it up. This is tough. Um, I'm just, it's flip of the coin. That's fan fiction. Okay. Uh, number four. Dale, can I ask you something strange? Partner, everything is so strange right now. I don't think anything you could ask could surprise me. Why have you been calling the boy Little Beaver? <laughs> Dale looked a bit sheepish and said, well, my friend, I think it's because he looks a little bit like the beaver, you know, from Leave it to Beaver. Chad grinned. That was one of my favorites too, growing up. Come to think of it, I think Miss Marie looks a bit like Ms. Mrs. Cleaver. 10-4, smartass Dale quipped. Just for that, you can take the next watch. Holy cow. Well, <laughs> I'm going to say that's real because I hope it's real so that Miss Marie does look like. <laughs> I don't know what Mrs. Cleaver looks like. Uh, I mean, Cleaver? look at oh, wow. right now. Yeah, just Jeez. a... Typical, I mean, sort of severe. First lady-ish, yeah, coronet yeah. mother. Uh -huh. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, <laughs> she looks like, yeah, she looks how like mothers used to look like grandmothers. Um, <laughs> and number five. All right. With the Donner Summit well behind them, Dale was able to get up to 55 miles an hour after the cautious slow speeds in the Sierra Nevadas. Good idea to keep it at the truck speed limit, partner, even if everyone else is going 80 MPH, Chad said. They'll bother you if you go any faster. Dale asked Chad for more advice about their route. Now you will take the I-80 all the way, Chad said. But things will get hairy near the I-580-880 interchange. There are, <laughs> there are a lot of bridges the closer we get, and traffic gets really heavy in Berkeley just before the Bay Bridge. Are we going to see the Golden Gate Bridge, Dale asked? No, that's on a different freeway, and it isn't the best route for trucks, Chad said. Making his way west toward the Bay Area, Dale began to think about his home and Miss Marie. Thinking about the weird situation he and his partner had just been through, he was okay to not see the Golden Gate Bridge as long as he was able to see Miss Marie again. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, uh, I'm going to say it's fan fiction, and I'm just so glad that everyone, that Miss Marie loops very large <laughs> for everyone as it did for me. <laughs> All right. So the, uh, the first one, uh, maybe this person must be a 49er, was fanfic. You got that right. That, okay. was, written by, that was written by Matt. Number two... Uh, we, you and I have just killed Custer by saving Slim Fox. Real. That was real. You got it right. Oh, yes. <laughs> so we're going to, we're going to be wading into some heavy turf later <laughs> in the book. They're, they, these two are literally going to change history and intervene in the battle of Little Bighorn. Holy cow. <laughs> uh, biting off more than he might be able to chew, uh, no matter how meat the tender is, uh, how tender the meat is. Uh, number three, you said fanfic. That is fanfic. Yes! Written by Douglas, yes. Uh, the, the kiss from uh, the squaw. Uh, number four, uh, you said real. 
Uh, that was uh, Mrs. Cleaver. That is fanfic. That was someone who, uh, who. I mean, it was good. It was well done. And yep. uh, I am sure that uh, Charles E. Harris is well well aware of Leave it to Beaver. It's probably a cultural touchstone for him, but it was fake. Uh, number five, you said fanfic. Uh, that was going to the Golden Gate Bridge. That was fanfic. So you got three. Out- that was written by Kelly. Uh, you got three out of five correct this time. No, I but- got four out of five. The last one was fanfic, right? Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, but you said... Yep, you're right. You're right. You got all. You, the only one you didn't get right was Mrs. Cleaver, and that was sort of because you wanted it to be. So yeah, people stepped up their games. Uh, there was a lot more ones that I did not even read, but uh, maybe we'll read them next time. But uh, yeah, keep them coming, folks. That was a uh, well done. And it's disturbing to me that the person who wrote the fanfic about Mrs. Cleaver like looked into my psyche and went, "I know it. <laughs> I know what Mike wants. I know his desires." Oh wow, that's fantastic. Um. This one seems like it will uh, uh, will make a lot of good fanfic. Oh man! Because yeah, just, anything is up for grabs. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a style that's going to be sort of like I mean the, the other styles we've gotten are uh, you know uh, Sean Penn's alliteration, uh, Thrash's uh, repetition of key phrases, um, Ernest Cline's uh, you know touch t- cultural touchstones and. Uh, so, so those are the things people imitate. I'm just the dialogue is clearly going to be a a big one here, but I'm looking forward to what else people pick up on as we as we move forward. Hey, speaking of Sean Penn's new book, I had an idea. See, I'll I'll run it past you, and I'll run it past our listeners. We do that as a uh, a Patreon thing, but you have to pay to opt out of it. So <laughs> I feel like that, that we could give a lot of money to charity <laughs> if we did that book. Oh, man. Yes. And so, like, we will send this to your inbox, You ha- but, you know, you if you want to opt out. Yeah. We'll drive couple. to houses and blare it through a bullhorn outside your house. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Uh, all right. So chapter two, chapter two. Yeah. Chapter two begins with them. Uh, they're, they're taking a rest there. Their truck has ceased to operate. Uh, nothing is working. None of the electrical systems. Uh, the snow is piling up from the thunder snow and they are, uh, not, not sure what is going on, but they're, they're getting kind of nervous, but they, uh, the first thing I had was them deciding to bunk down for the night. And this was the, uh, the sort of uh, uh, exchange that I th- reminded me of uh, Heath Ledger and uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. You can have the bottom bunk. I don't want to chance your big ass falling on me. <laughs> Damn it, boy, you're too kind. If Miss Marie heard you say that to me, she'd whip your scrawny little ass, Dale answered, making as much light of the situation as possible. So they're just they're having a good laugh during this uh, the situation that is almost identical to the three-page horror story he told him about truckers freezing to death that chilled Dale to his bones and made him not able to sleep. But they're <laughs> still having a good time. Well, this is the one that that prompted me to think about, uh, once again, this exchange of dialogue is just so bizarre. One thing for sure, Dale, if we hadn't had the binoculars and you hadn't been watching, we could have been on our way down one of these deep ravines or gorges. And, you know, a paragraph before he <laughs> responds, that's for sure, partner. And uh, we've made a lot of fun of this dialogue, and it's uh, so I, I just I went back and I looked. Um, you know, we we're on season eight of this podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You and I have known each other for years. I mean, we're the we're the Chad and Dale of podcasting. Let's be <laughs> let's sure. be honest. I have thought that. Yeah. Yeah, and we uh, thought that like last month for the first time, Brian. And I I hope our dialogue isn't as you know sort of clunky and and uh, robotic. Oh, I can't, can't possibly imagine. Well, 
Well, I, you know, look, a little self-examination never hurt anyone. Yeah, a a sure. little self-reflection, a little, uh, you know, take the log out of your own eye before you start criticizing someone else. And so I went back um, and, and looked uh, our first podcast that we did. I took uh, extensive notes. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't record our pre, uh, pre-show banter, but I did, yeah. I did take notes on it. And I wrote it down. Weird. And yeah, that is weird, isn't it? It was a weird thing that you did. Well, I mean, you know, like it could have it's historical and it could have been okay, uh, yeah, it's true. It's, yeah, it's important stuff. For the ages. Uh it's, if I ever need to to upload it to the dark web for someone else doing a podcast, I wanted to make sure that I had it. <laughs> and so uh unfortunately again, I had not pressed record yet. So I I assembled the 372 players. You assembled? I did. I did. I I fired behind the, my back. Well, I, I wouldn't say completely behind your back. I fired them. Fired them. And I told them not to tell you. I guess that is behind That's the back. That's very isn't it? much behind my back. <laughs> yeah, I would, I'm sorry. Wow. I, I guess my I should have been more upfront God. about that. But that's um, why none of them came to my uh, to, came to my potluck dinner this weekend. Uh, well, look on the positive side. We are no longer bleeding five thousand dollars a week on their salaries and they their food and their their stipends and all of that. Yeah, yeah, they were pretty. Wow. I yeah, mean, those guys sucked. Actually, come to think of it, I mean, every week, uh, three hundred pounds of tender uh, Nebraska meat <laughs> it was it was getting to be quite a bill. I fired them, and I I, I rehired uh, a cast. Oh, Much, well, hopefully you gave them due diligence. You found the best people available. No, to... I hired I hired my son, <laughs> and I uh, and a <laughs> yeah, nepotism, and I found a. a friend of yours who uh a friend you, of mine who you have a deep grudge with and i got them to uh to record the dialogue that i had uh that i, I had recorded before our podcast so before this is you intricate as hell <laughs> what intricate it's as straightforward as you could possibly get i merely hired my son and your friend to record the dialogue that i had written down before our first podcast, what is so hard to understand about this? Tale as old as time. It is. So let's just uh, let's listen to that now. This is uh, the 372 players uh, talking uh, our words. Here, here Boy, we. Connor, it sure is cold out there. Good thing we're in this studio doing this podcast. That's for sure, Mike. And since we're going to be spending so much time in here, I sure am glad you're likable and funny. And I'm glad you have a beard, Connor. Now, how did you get to the studio? Well, Mike, I took I-35 to I-94 to 394 to 62, and then south on I-69 to 55. Now, let's see what you brought for the recording. Connor, I got some microphones and a soundboard and some meat and some underpants and some books about podcasts and a bucket for us. A bucket? Oh, that's right. You've never podcasted up this way before. Gets pretty rough, partner. Sometimes two guys will put a bag over your head, throw you in a truck with nothing but a bucket to go in, and make you podcast for money. Gosh, you're right. I'm just reading the first chapter of this book on podcasting, and it confirms it. Well, let's get to it. Sure thing. Why don't you take a nap and back, and I'll take the first shift of this podcast. Great. You do our podcast into the Qualcomm and wake me in eight hours, Mike. Will do. 
Attention podcast people, podcast people, this is 372 pages we'll never get back. Do you read? So so it's wow. odd that it's odd that we don't know what a Qualcomm is because we <laughs> were talking, we were doing our podcast into one. Wow, yeah. I mean probably like pre-show jitters just sort of like talking without realizing what you were saying. I guess I forgot. It's, we it's weird that I forgot what a Qualcomm is. Anyway. So that was my friend Brian. That was your friend Brian. Oh yeah. My, yeah. You know, he he I can't was believe he was happy to portray you in that in that way. I don't know what that does to your friendship, but there you are. Yeah, he does this local show called Seriously Seven Days that I have appeared on numerous times as a guest, and I now he does and betrays me like this behind my back. I can't believe this. Well, is that, a, I, I'm going to call my son after this podcast and go, that's what you think I sound like? So, <laughs> Right. We're both. His was spot on for me, though. I, I, I have to give him credit <laughs> for that. that was... Wow. Well, all right. You know, so like, let, let uh, those without sin cast the first stone. I guess we have no right to, to criticize the dialogue. That's right. Yeah. We're, we are not, uh, you know, dropping uh, these uh, bone mows every second. We're also pretty mundane at times. So, <laughs> Well, having said that, let's criticize some more dialogue. Yes, uh, indeed. Uh, so Dale uh, goes outside to pee. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, Dale thought, I've got to take a leak and I don't want to wake Chad. He's thinking this. He'll, he has to be tired from driving the last few hours in the winds. That's taxing on anyone. I'll just ease out and try not to wake him. So he he, he goes outside. He, he takes care of business. I believe they refer to it as squirting in the dirt. Yeah, I, I forgot to. I had that as a note, and I thought, you know, I'm sure that will be a dumb sentence of the week, but <laughs> how can we not mention that? A squirt in the dirt. It reminds me, and again, this will come up during this thing, so get used to it. Uh, Roadhouse. Yeah. Uh, I got to go, what does he say? Like, I got to go drain the lizard or something drain like that. Drain the main vein. Drain the main vein. <laughs> and, and on the extras of the uh, the DVD for that, uh, the late, uh, what was his name? The the guitarist and singer? Jeff Healy. Jeff Healy. The late Jeff Healy said he didn't, he was just given all these lines about like they needed to take a break for the shooting. And so like, just say, I got to go... Uh, you know, uh, drain the lizard or, t- yeah. t- you know, the, the white snakes got to spit in the, <laughs> he's like, <laughs> yeah. he's just like, I felt terrible. I had no idea what the, I'd never heard these before. <laughs> he's like, it's a pretty embarrassing line that ends up in there. I got to drain the main thing. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. It is. So a- that reminded me of that squirt in the dirt <laughs> and then, uh, finish my business. Sure. Yeah, it actually sounds more authentic than any of the other trucker dialogue, as far as I, uh, you know, you imagine that's the sort of slang they're tossing around with their smoky bears and honeypots and all that stuff. Right. <laughs> we're huh. in we're in deep doo doo now is another one. <laughs> yes, that is a that is a good one. That is as they're uh, as they're as they're snowed in. Uh, death is closing in. They've lit candles for warmth. They uh, one of them responds, "We're in deep doo doo now." <laughs> But I liked how he pees at he pees and then he comes inside and he's he's shivering. He thinks I won't do that again. Next time I'll just pee out the window. And then it says shortly before dark, Dale told Chad of his experience outside. So the going outside to pee gets reclassified as an experience. And then Chad says, next time, partner, use one of those freezer bags and just toss it out the window. It would save you a lot of trouble. <laughs> Chad says, laughing at him. Now you tell me I forgot we had them. Thanks a lot. Anything for my pal, but if you have to take a crap, I don't know what to tell you, Chad answered with a roar of laughter. <laughs> and so I, 
It's like, well, that's going to become an issue very soon, Chad. Like, you've already been here for like eight hours. Like, you've been eating this, uh, you know, diner food. Like, I, maybe you should be thinking about that instead of hypothetically suggesting it, then laughing your head off. <laughs> Are they gallon freezer bags? Because I might be able to pull that off. <laughs> uh, that was a sentence that I think I put on our uh, our Patreon. Speaking of our Patreon, oh, nice, nice. people, yeah. check into our Patreon. Way back while we were still doing The Mister, that was a little teaser. <laughs> that was just something uh, you flipped randomly to. Yes, that was the first thing that I saw. And boy, it pays off handsomely. Yes. <laughs> yep, they're trapped and uh, fearing their own deaths. They might never see Miss Marie's embrace again, but uh, deep doo-doo and crapping in bags gets some, get some good honest laughs. <laughs> um, what else do we got here? Uh, Ch- Chad says, I keep thinking there's a logical explanation to all this, but everything keeps on happening to confuse me all the more. Matter of fact, I'm totally confused <laughs> and a little concerned and certainly not sure of anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what I put after that? It made me think of, uh, uh, because of this is the season right now, if, even if you're not listening to it, the debates and all of that. If yeah. I'm ever in a presidential primary debate, that's <laughs> going to be my opening pitch. Help me connect with the common man. <laughs> Matter of fact, I'm totally confused, a little concerned, certainly not sure of anything. <laughs> Who am I? Why am I here? (laughs) That's exactly right. (laughs) Speaking Uh, of, he just died yesterday. Ross Perot, that is. Oh, that's true. Wow, yeah. I forgot that that was his candidate. That's uh, the, uh, yeah, one of the classic guys who, like Gerald Ford falling down the, uh, the stairs then is a bumbling oaf for the rest of his life. <laughs> when that was, guy shows up. He like, was oh. known as being super uh, athletic and was a football <laughs> star and all of that. And Stockdale was like a purple hearts, like a hero, you know, well-respected. And then he's just the, you know, clearly the only thing I I know about him is that he said, who am I? Why am I here? Right. And, then every, and then everyone spent weeks laughing at him. And then you read his life and it's like the most harrowing and heartbreaking thing. He's like an absolute <laughs> hero. <laughs> um and then uh yeah they uh ross perot i saw a, a twitter poll and less than three weeks ago like do not look is he still alive or not and I don't oh wow the, i don't remember what the final name the uh, final numbers were but i i knew he was because i think we had done that you know three months ago like uh looking him up yes all right so dale and chad now their fate is cast they're in this truck it's uh the snow is still blowing right uh yes on, on this side of the mountain oh is it uh, is it not blowing on the other side of the mountain so they get out of the truck eventually it takes them they, they realize they're going to have to to make a move on they walk over and like the temperature increases by like 40 degrees or something oh right right okay yeah yeah um and they're in a in a place where it has not been snowing i guess i didn't write down the specifics about this but they uh they discover a cave and they uh they 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 enter the cave and they find a a little indian boy who is sitting there who has been brutally horsewhipped uh <laughs> and is in what they diagnose as a coma <laughs> um but they uh, he's got a fever and uh, that's sort of the uh, that's that's where the, the the rest of the action of this chapter is is spent uh dealing with this boy and this was a, v- a big frustration for me a child uh, he gives so much detail in other places. <laughs> How old is the damn child? <laughs> what is the range? When you say, hey, I have a child, and and I never say another word, wh- how old do you oh, assume? My- 
Right. That's uh, my child is. Oh, my child is a month old. Right? Is a yeah. I have a child. Sure. My my child. When you say I have a child, he's not going to be twenty. Right. True. Maybe. Maybe twelve. Is that the right. outer range of saying there's a child in here? Sure. Yeah. You say I'm going to drop them off at, or they're going to after school childcare. That would probably be up to. Uh, up to the teenage years, that would be acceptable, but it could also be your three-year-old. All right, so zero to 12, giving the the outer, the upper range is probably, you know, maybe I'm being a little, but you, you still might refer to a child as that age. Sure, sure. The chapter goes on and on without ever giving us any indication of how old <laughs> this child is. It irritated me. Uh, I'm just like, just come on, man, one sentence. Right. Like, man, he looks to be three, Chad. You said it, buddy. No kidding, partner. But right. nope, nope. So instead, a, instead, they're speculating. Boy, I bet if I had peanut butter and jelly, you would really enjoy eating that, Indian boy. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> they're, so they're diagnosing that. They're, what he likes to eat. They're diagnosing his coma, and then. Uh, but, oh uh, well, we get a clue. But here's what also irritated me. Well, he is in no condition to have built a fire. Okay, so now I know that he's not. <laughs> but he is, if he is an Indian boy, their term, uh, I don't know, three would they teach a child? So I'm like, all right, three to 12. Right. But then again, you know, you see someone passed out unconscious in a cave with a fire burning. It might not be my initial sense that they, that he built the fire himself. Right. You know, and I think they, they do speculate that someone was with him uh, went and went for help. Yeah, but again, just give me the age. <laughs> uh, I loved this thing about uh, Dale discovered something about the boy. He So he, Chad comes back into the cave. He goes, hey, I discovered this about the boy. He's an Indian because he's dressed in a buckskin shirt, pants, and moccasins. <laughs> and I thought, what if I said to you, hey, Connor, I discovered something about the guy in this Chili's restaurant <laughs> because he's dressed in the Chili's waiter's outfit and has a name tag on that reads Gary. And underneath that, wait staff. And he came to our table and took our order. My discovery is that he's a waiter. <laughs> the other uh, the other thing that I liked was it was it takes me back to the the and many other animals. Uh, Dale knew, had a lot of medical training in the Navy and knew CPR. Chad knew CPR also and knew some life-saving techniques. <laughs> what, what else is besides CPR? I guess the Heimlich maneuver, like the life-saving techniques, the list, CPR, Heimlich maneuver. That's all. Yeah. So Chad is doing CPR on him. He's like, <laughs> okay, uh, here, why don't I do it? Uh, I know another, a couple other life-saving <laughs> techniques. Yeah. It's like, you know, yeah, I, I like David Bowie. I've listened to Ziggy Stardust. <laughs> yeah. Sure, you're going to go with the most popular one. <laughs> uh, they, they, they they do cover the entrance with uh, Chekhov's extra tarp, so it was good that they had that. Um, and then it didn't take long before the, he lights the candles. Again, uh, they pay off. It didn't take long before the cave was nice and warm. They were both proud of their accomplishment, <laughs> spelled wrong, yes. but had to get the boy taken care of before boasting about what they had done with so little to work with. So these two idiots, whose, uh, again, death seems very imminent, 
are uh, are just you know beaming with pride and and, and puffing their chest out uh, and considering even boasting about what they've done. But who were they going to boast to? They both <laughs> did it. Like, hey, both- Chad, uh, uh, we uh, we sa- we're saving this kid pretty uh, pretty nice, right? Huh? Yeah, we sure are. Like, oh, God, I wish there was someone else around. Damn it! <laughs> right. Yeah, they're both just filing it away for Miss Marie when they get back. <laughs> Uh, we also get another little bit of dialogue that is, you know, the uh, series first conversation with Google Assistant. <laughs> I have no answers to anything, especially anything concerning the boy. That's what you say when you're tending to a horse-whipped Indian boy in a cave. <laughs> yeah, like you figure like they might be just reduced to sort of sputtering wrecks and, you know, get yourself together, man. Like, what but the like hell this- is happening? I don't know, but save this boy. <laughs> But this, uh, they, you know, say what you will, this is not a cynical book. These bo- these characters are, and the author both appear to be good-natured in general. Uh, so, I, I, you know, I want to point that out, This so it's not like we're just crapping on everything here. But No, uh, no. In fact, I was going to bring that up. Remember, the one of the reasons that we did this, I think it was an Amazon review where the guy said, no, it's not a good book. I think it was a guy who said yeah. Sure. Uh, but it is completely sincere and non-cynical. Yes. <laughs> and I think that was one of the things that swayed us. Like, okay, good. I mean, that's, yeah, right. that's exactly. Like. Yeah. It's so uh, it's not uh, it's not going to be the 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 dripping contempt of Sean Penn or the disinterest of the Shatlart. But uh, so yeah, the, we get some of those examples here. Uh, Chad goes to get supplies. He says, "I shall return," and hopefully with some good news. So that was a you know trucker speak. <laughs> truckers are always saying things like i shall return right. but then dale is sort of kneeling next to him and he says it says he sincerely wanted the boy to survive and be well again um and then when chad comes back dale says i feel so damned helpless don't feel that way dale we can only do so much and we've done all we possibly can you are exactly right chad all we can do is our best <laughs> yeah so they are, you know, they're 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 good natured and they're they're sort of puzzling this out. But uh, it reminded me of uh, the first time that William Hung auditioned for American Idol and did absolutely the worst possible job, utter garbage, and had said something like, "I tried my best, and that's all I'm able to do." And Paula Abdul is like, "Yeah, I'm so proud of you, William, um, for doing the worst singing anyone has ever seen." But at least he had a positive attitude. Yes, that's uh, it's funny because my my youngest son is. Uh... I, I won't be giving him. I won't be embarrassing him by this. I don't think because he was a little kid. And Not he, the one that was uh, now now employed in our uh, player troop. Oh no, he'll be he'll be coming up okay. soon. He's he's on the payroll. Don't worry about that. Uh, no, he uh, he saw the original. He was a little he's a little guy when he saw William Hung with Bridget. I don't know. She was just watching. Had something on cooking or something, and he saw it. And he came in crying. It's like, well, they're being so mean to that guy. <laughs> He's trying his best. He just saying. Oh She's man! Like, oh, that's. Uh, let's turn off the TV. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's an unexpected reaction. Yeah, he was. He was all in on uh, William Hung. Well, yeah. So you know, people trying their best. It's you know, it's good to some degree, but uh, you know, the author was probably trying his best too, and this was the result. But. Uh, but I, as, the, as we've said many times, look, all of that stated, the the reason that we're doing this podcast, the, we we get this a lot at riff tracks. I just want to address it. This is the thing that never comes up. We we you you get uh, a, a lot of heat for like, hey man, this guy went out and made a movie, 
you didn't make a movie. You're just making fun <laughs> of it. It's easy. It's like, yes, that is true as far as it goes. But this standard is never applied to someone who serves you a meal and gives you salmonella and there's rocks and sand in it and <laughs> hair. You don't go, hey, look, just eat it, man. It's yeah. The guy tried his best. He's not. Right. He doesn't have any talent, nor does he seem to have any desire to do good. <laughs> so I'm just getting that out of the way. We, Of course, the guy is probably a, a decent man who left behind a, a decent legacy and a good family. And But that doesn't mean we can't talk about his book. Sure. And, you know, it, again, it amuses us and uh, we enjoy it far better than the one that the Oscar winning millionaire wrote. So, like, right. there's, there's, you know, there's different standards here. You can enjoy reading something. It can be because it's silly and ridiculous or it can uh, or you can hate something because it's uh, just cynical and awful. So um, there's there's different levels of this. Yes. And I have been enjoying it. In fact, <laughs> uh, speaking of enjoying something, uh, Chad looks over at Dale and realizes he knows he's asleep. And he says, I guess he's dreaming of something he and Marie are doing or about <laughs> yes. to do with a smile like that on his face. So Dale's just uh, drifting off as horny as hell while he's, uh, you know, maybe Miss Marie's putting on her her trampling stilettos or, uh, you know, is, is, is a new pair of fuzzy handcuffs or something. Yeah, because then I, I think I tag on something that uh, I made that note. And then a little bit later. Now, this is novel. 21st century and Chad and I will have to fight a pack of wolves in order to get back to the truck. He thought, damn it, Marie, where are you when I really, really need your logic? (laughs) Wow. Who is Marie? This is the most fascinating character. This is Godot, right? (laughs) She's one of those people who like, you know, they're like, uh, you know, she she earned her, her degree in physics from MIT and then, uh, you know, started, uh, you know, working in the adult film industry. Like one one woman's, uh, you know, interesting journey. Yes. Uh, I, I did like the reaction of uh, wolves howling. Uh, it was chilling and scary and very lonely. And then his reaction was to think, this is novel. Like, OK, <laughs> we're, you're going to die. Yeah, sure. I guess that's novel. You've never experienced it before. And then, then, uh, then the, the the casual. Well, it's the 21st century. Like you know, okay, <laughs> this uh, really uh, laying it on thick uh, there. Um, yeah, the uh, the asides to themselves get even more bizarre. Uh, coming up, Dale cracks himself up. <laughs> yes. yes, can't can't tell Chad I fell asleep on Firewatch with quotes around it. Yeah. He'd ha- he'd have me court martialed. Hell. I've still got a sense of humor. <laughs> where, where is that an evidence? I know, I don't know, but true. Uh, yes, and he says I may make it after all. And then Chad woke up when he heard Dale laughing to himself. <laughs> so the the laughing at he may have me court martialed provokes laughter to himself loud enough to wake up his sleeping exhausted buddy. <laughs> Which, by the way, shades of the Mister. Sometime later, Dale woke with a jerk. Oh, wow. To start a paragraph, which is, I think we had four or five of those in the mister of uh, he woke with a start, she uh-huh. woke with a start, or a Did jerk. Did he snap one eye open? <laughs> yes. I realized, I realized what that reminded me of once we stopped talking about it. It was like uh, Ren and Stimpy when, when Ren, Stimpy is doing something to irritate Ren and Ren just pops like one bloodshot eye open to like exactly. twitching at Stimpy. That was, that was how Alicia is waking up every day. And then the freeze frame close up of every blood clot in his yes. eye, yeah, and uh, goo in the corner. <laughs> so there, yeah, that, there's our, our our beautiful Albanian Alicia. 
I, I did like that the the when the wolves howl a second time, it sent cold chills down his back, and for the very first time, Dale was becoming scared. And I was like, <laughs> ever? Like you know, nom? <laughs> right. Like walking through the woods and uh, all along the watchtowers playing and you've just had a guy, you know, explode and die in your arms. But the, the wolves in the in under trucking route are, are what gets you scared for the first time. I can't find my legs, man. <laughs> that is funny. Anyway. Uh, but then they uh, they 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 leave the boy who's they've they've determined is in a coma and they're they're going back to the truck to try to radio for some help, I guess. And check the Qualcomm. Sure, of course. Maybe uh, it's uh, zapped back into a functioning status. Um, But then uh, he goes looking for it, but he continued to the exact spot the truck should have been. No tracks, nor any indication it was ever there. He became sick at his stomach. Yeah. Is that that a thing? A regional term. Like, yeah, some people say stand online or in line. I'm going to say it's not. I think it is not. I think it is not. Uh, Before Uh, we get to that, by the way, he when he comes back, Chad checks the Qualcomm for like the thirtieth time. We're we're in a (laughs) we're just in a loop. Um, And if if Qualcomm's might be back in in functioning after not working thirty times, maybe this is not a a device you want to use if it's that unreliable. Yeah, Qualcomm. Why do you have stadiums with your name on it? Um, But he says about the boy, he is alive, and that's a good sign. Which made me think, yeah, when you're trying to save someone's life and he's still alive, that is is one of the best signs. Best I've... possible outcome, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, uh, so they go back and then they meet our two new uh, our new characters who I love. Why don't you introduce them, Connor? So we've got two characters, and believe it or not, um, they they also say each other's names every sentence to start their names, even though they've been talking to each other for hours. You compared that to something like the way that a... Uh, the way that like a, a horrible like salesman would do something to you, like or or a guy's getting you to try to join a gym. Yeah, a used car salesman. Where you shake hands, it grabs you behind the elbow, you know, <laughs> sort of dominates you slightly on the handshake, and then refers to you by your name uh, at the start of every sentence. It is the most off-putting thing. Like it just is. It's so artificial and weird that like it it reminds you a hundred percent that there it, it calls attention to itself. I uh, I once went with a guy who he was a roommate and he was a dumbass. I'll say that. Uh, but he was he was and he was buying a dumbass car from a used car lot. And the guy was you know shook the shook our hands like that and was doing the. I'll tell you what, Mike. You know uh, I don't remember what the guy's name. Let's call him Chad. All right. Hey, Chad. And then he pulled him close and did the actual. I I swear to God, this is true. I witnessed it. He. He pulled him close with a handshake and then whispered in his ear, like, I'll tell you what, you buy this car right here, the ladies, you'll have to beat them off with a stick. I'm telling oh you the truth. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was, of course, horrified. I think the guy bought the car. so I, I, <laughs> It worked. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but it's yeah, it's an off-putting thing. And it's off-putting that he, uh, he sized you two up and thought that was what was going to seal the deal. <laughs> right. But yeah, so we've got, uh, we've got a uh, uh, John, one character, and then we've got... Our second patch of the book. Yeah, patch what Wilson. the hell? Patch pa- Wilson, which he, he <laughs> refers to him as Wilson first, and then we learn yeah. his patch. Yeah, it was it was a very clumsy introduction because, yeah, he says Wilson and then Patch Wilson. But so the first patch was the pissed-off Tom Selleck in the uh, bar that had just traveled from Salt Lake City to compete in the rodeo. Who would um, have told the waitress because <laughs> she knew that his boy—because he knew that her boyfriend— 
was going to ride the next day. So he would have mentioned the weather had there been any weather to mention yes. to the waitress who then asked if they wanted coffee. Yes. Her boyfriend, Jim Dalen. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they are uh, they are uh, discussing how uh, Patch tried to abduct a woman, an a, a Indian woman, and uh, then they beat her son. Um, they whipped him. They discussed this for pages. Uh, and uh, our, our, our character just sort of silently overhearing them all. So, yeah, pages of this discussion go on. And then John says... You beat that boy to death with your, that whip of yourn, and the chief ain't going to take too lightly of it. And we've got to move pronto or loose our hair, and it's your damn fault. So, yeah, there's a real sense of urgency as they stand around telling each other what they did. <laughs> right. Uh, that they need to uh, start getting up to uh, Montana, I think, so they can trap some beavers. Which he's... Uh, where is he? Where are they hiding to listen to this? Uh, I think it's just we've got to assume that it's pretty much just like a, a an offstage character in a play that just is sort of peeking up over something like Kilroy was here. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember having to do uh, the asides in Shakespeare are so bizarre. I, I was in one of my first plays with Macbeth and Macbeth will have entire soliloquies while the other two characters are standing right there. And I always thought that was the weirdest thing. Yeah, right. It's, yeah, a, so. it's an odd convention to have to get used to, but that's apparently what's happening. Right. Being within earshot is a uh, is a weird uh, weird place to be and not be able to be seen. But uh, yeah, so those those two are, uh, are having that conversation. And then Chad, uh, this was a, just a great, this is the last thing I have, but... Uh, what the hell is going on, Chad thought to himself. No one traps for fur anymore, and Indians don't go around scalping people this day and time. Then it hit him. Just what day and time is it here? And why are Dale and I here? Is it possible we have somehow been placed back in time? And if so, how on earth do we get back? Or do we? <laughs> so all five of those questions hit him. That, uh, that, that thought process. That's something that just, you know, threw him back in his chair like a Magnavox ad. I wondered what this did to his fairly certain theory that that guy was hiding a herd of buffalo for years <laughs> until he let them loose. I wonder how much shame he felt when he realized, oh, my God, yeah. this theory that I held so dear he has was, just he was been shattered. He was about to bet uh, Dale his share of the extra $30 from Ogallala. Uh, now he's super glad he didn't do that because he was so certain about his theory. <laughs> yeah, I just had that, man, did it take a dark turn with that, uh, you know, the, the guys are talking about like, boy, oh boy, man, we can't, we got to go get some hides up north from here. Now we can't trade nothing to the Redskins in this part of the country because you <laughs> killed the chief's only son and tried to rape his wife. Yes. Jack, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was reading yeah. this light trucking story with a time <laughs> element in it. Right. With it just packed wall to wall with childlike wonder, you know, about these two these two dopes traveling across the country. Boy, but oh yeah, boy, I get... Chad. I wonder if he tried to rape his wife. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, Mike, it, it makes you wonder who, who the real savage was. <laughs> oh, man, you've got me thinking. <laughs> what's so civil about war anyway um yeah so they we 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 leave the uh the final sentence of this chapter was something like uh uh it's too bad we've oh yeah that kid didn't make a sound while i beat up on him whilst i beat up on him kind of took all the fun out of whooping him so these are uh these are mustache twirlingly evil guys that we're we're going to be dealing with here well 
the Dante and Ile of trucking through time. <laughs> yes, right. Yeah, we've got our 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 evil guys come in duos in these last couple of books. Yeah, so there we are. Uh, they're they're back in time, as the great Huey Lewis said, and uh, <laughs> no reason why. Which I think is a great, you know, it, it's like a um, uh, what is it? The Bill Groundhog Murray, Day. Groundhog yeah. Day, right? Never explained. Yeah, you don't you don't need to never know. resolved. Yeah. yeah, I saw something recently that said the the studio kept pushing him for a reason, and uh, you you never get it. And uh, obviously, the movie is much better for that lack of uh, studio interference. So maybe this will turn out like Groundhog Day, something that's taught in screenplay classes and uh, a beloved, classic. Uh, beloved, yeah. <laughs> quotable. Um, or it could be a, or it could be a Dwight David Thrashian. Who knows? I, I'm, what do you think? Are they going to go back and forth through time, or are they just going? Is this the the one trip? They're going to be back, and then they're going to escape at the very end. I think they're going to. Well, given the uh, the fanfic, I think they're going to fix something. It's like the the classic: the ghosts are bothering us because there's some wrong, and once they fix the wrong, the timeline will be fixed. Okay. So that's my right. that's my prediction. Good prediction. Dude, does someone find love in this uh, in this other timeline? I will only say this. This is my only further prediction. More uh, more knickknacks will be purchased. More <laughs> more than that, I will not venture. All right. Well, there are our predictions. I would uh, encourage everyone to speculate on your own if you haven't read ahead. There have been people who have been talking to us uh, saying that they have already finished this book. Like they bought it when we first started what? talking about it, started reading it. And uh, <laughs> I guess it's you, at some point you stopped being able to put it down. So so they neglected to read The Mister. They obviously <laughs> did not read Pappy's works. Yeah. So they're, uh, they're eating all the – they're eating their dessert – they're they're picking the marshmallows out of the cereal and and I guess so yeah man it's like, come on yeah, you guys it's rough. It's, yeah I guess we're suffering for your benefit thank yeah. you very much <laughs> but yeah it seems like people are very excited we've got just about the most emails for this first section as we ever have um, received for a book so I think people are enjoying it and a lot of them sent us dumb sentences so let's uh, let's read some of those right now a sentence begins with a capital letter a capital letter is a letter that's big a capital letter is not a small letter a capital letter is big 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 a sentence ends with a period or an exclamation or a question mark well, Charles has covered all of that. He's got them all right. He does, yeah. There, there haven't been too many punctuation errors here, although it's hard to tell because of the kerning. But uh, there are many dumb sentences. And as always, a lot of these dumb sentences were sent in by people who support us on Patreon, which you can support too at patreon.com slash 372 pages. Uh, we are still nearing the mythical 400 Patreon mark. Uh, it'll happen one of these days, but uh, we're getting we're getting up there and uh, these people are, are having a lot of fun over there, I think. Some people just want our copies of The Mister, uh, so we're sending those out this week. Uh, so thanks to everyone who who sends things in from there. We really appreciate it. Uh, the first uh, sentence, uh, well, we'll just revisit it one more time. Uh, everyone's favorite passage. Heather sent this one in. He and his partner were different as night and day and the most unlikely team you could imagine. She also pointed out that both were described as being tough as nails. So uh, that is another, just another difference, I guess, between the two of them. <laughs> there, One is like, uh, you know, uh, three-eighths nails and the other ones are, you know, seven, seven-eighths nails. That could be uh, how they are different. Um, Kelly wrote in, uh, big fellow looks like a pissed off Tom Selleck. He's probably a bull rider or something, which again is the, uh, just the sort of assumption you make as the very first person you see in a, in a bar wearing a cowboy hat, <laughs> in a bar where everyone is wearing a cowboy hat. 
Sharon sent in, I have to squirt in the dirt first. Uh, so that I didn't realize it was first. That gets nicely, uh, rhymingly alliterative in, that, uh, in the way that's said. Janelle uh, wrote in, breakfast was satisfying and they were ready to go as soon as they had finished. So not uh, they weren't they weren't eating their satisfying breakfast and decided to just lift up and go halfway through, um, or or even leave before it had arrived. They were ready to go once they had finished. Uh, David sent in Chad, where is the interstate and telephone poles and everything else we are accustomed to seeing, like people? <laughs> oh. So that's a that's a real take me to your leader kind of sentence. <laughs> oh, that was mine. It just got burnt. Uh, oh, damn it. No, that's um, that's good. It, it yeah. shows that we're on it. Yeah. <laughs> Brian said, uh, he's, I think he's talking about the storm, the, the chilling story that, uh, that Chad told. I spent the night at a restaurant parking lot across the street from the truck stop because there was no room anywhere else because of all the other trucks. So there we have, there, <laughs> there we have evidence that he has trucked by himself and slept at a truck stop. So it's a viable, a viable option unless the truck stops get too full because of the other trucks. <laughs> <laughs> uh adam said uh i w- it wasn't long before chad was back with his pack on his back and his arms full of everything he could carry and he said i actually like the sentence i thought it had a dr seuss quality to the way that it sounded which is clearly what the author was going for <laughs> chad was back with his pack on his back hop on pop oh wow uh, i missed that one that's uh, yeah. that is good yeah <laughs> Uh, Elizabeth said, uh, I forget what this is referring to, but they were received in a manner that was friendly most always. I think that's talking about just going into the Western bars. Um, friendly most always is a, yet another way that uh, that truckers and most normal people talk. Uh, <laughs> this is Dawn talking about their uh, their skills assessing this uh, the, in, the Indian boy. That peanut butter and honey would be just the thing to give him strength, and I know he would like it. He could have a de- deadly peanut allergy, for all you know. Like he could be allergic to this food. He's never. I guess they don't know they're back in time. But anyway, self-assessment. Settle down. Well, I'm uh, sure that they, uh, if if he had the peanut allergy, they go into one of their bags and pull out the bleach and the rags, and they wipe down the <laughs> to make sure that every item was safe, so that he could eat the uh, honey. <laughs> yeah, these truckers are are very up with the the modern concerns of the uh, parent of the allergic child. Uh, Christopher uh, said that Chad was never one to sleep over five to six hours at a time, but he probably needed the rest. He says, probably. Does the narrator not know? This is a Kleinian narrator, too, apparently. (laughs) Um, And Jordan, the last one, says, I keep thinking there's a logical explanation to this, but everything keeps on happening to confuse me all the more. Matter of fact, I'm totally confused, a little concerned, and not certainly not sure of anything. So (laughs) that is one that stood out to a lot of people. I guess... uh, (laughs) Uh, you burned yours, but uh, the one I had, the first one I had, was the, of course, the the Californian directions, because that was all one sentence. And uh, oh man, that was my—I had the same one too. Dale made another startling discovery. Chad, where is the interstate and telephone poles and everything else we're accustomed to seeing, like people? Oh wow, That's wow. So yeah, three of us. I, I think uh, yeah. Once you, I guess I never think of you know being accustomed to seeing people, um, but I guess I, I am. Um, Especially since it's an addendum, you know, like, where are all the things we're used to seeing? Like, my door, the desk that I'm standing at. Yes. Oh, and, and people. Oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> Take it up the rear there is people. <laughs> um, and then uh, we have one email this time, and uh, let's play the song. We're going to the party. We're going to the game. We're going to the dinner. Ain't got the cruise out, man. We're stealing people off, man. 
So, yeah, this mail is by David. It has a very helpful visual aid, which I will post on the feeds when this episode comes out. But he said he wanted to check the reasonableness of Chad's route from Atlanta to the Bay Area through Ogallala that is rattled off on page four. We never talked about Ogallala, but that was a spine-tingling sequence of unhooking a thing and leaving without incident. Right. That was the one that they were promised, right? Like, yeah, you, that was, that it, was the... It was a drop and go or something. Yeah. <laughs> there was a name for it. Yeah, there was a boy working there. But uh, anyway, so I uh, don't know if that comes up, but maybe he just wanted to uh, try to get me to say Ogallala. Uh, as this book was written in 2002, he used MapQuest to get the directions. Um, I assume MapQuest is still accurate, or, but uh, I assume they're not just providing wildly inaccurate directions if they're still up. But he says, uh, I had to modify the suggestive course extensively to meet Chad's recommendation. I'm not a truck driver, but I can assume that for the most part, the recommended route via car is the same as via truck. He says, MapQuest fought back from the beginning, dissuading us from taking I-20 rest. <laughs> not going on I-75 heading northwest adds about an hour to the trip. Uh, MapQuest would then want us to take I-65 due north, but nope, we were supposed to go backwards northeast on I-59, according to Chad. That takes us from Alabama back into Georgia, adding another hour to the trip. From here, we actually can't get from I-24 west onto I-55 north. We have to get on I-57 south, adding yet another hour. When we reach uh, I-70 past St. Louis, MapQuest and Chad agree for a while. Uh, once we're parallel with Lincoln, we could just turn west onto I-80, but Chad thinks we should take a shortcut by going 44 miles north, driving through an extra major city, Omaha, and then turn back south onto Highway 6. His shortcut adds one plus more hour to our trip. And then uh, he says the recommended route actually takes 38 hours uh, on MapQuest. Chad's directions take around 42 hours. The shortcuts cl- Chad claims to know would make the trip at least 10% longer. Then again, Chad is an ex-Marine and tough as nails, so I wouldn't want to be one to tell him he's wrong. That was from David. Very nice. Yeah, I I did the MapQuest of it. Uh, probably didn't use MapQuest. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I just checked the major beats, and it looked so I didn't. Thank you for drilling down on that. Yeah, it's a, it's the, the, yeah looking at the, I think he has side-by-side uh, MapQuest directions versus Chad. So it, it'll be good to look at. And nice. I don't know, maybe some people will be so inspired to go you know, and take this trip themselves. They'll be promised the uh, the lure of, of fresh meat and harrowing menu stories that they'll actually take a summer trip out to Wyoming. I'm going to Colorado later this summer, so I can actually uh, weigh in on some of that. Oh, nice. Yeah, so this will be like, hopefully this will be a journey. Um, I don't know other things like that but uh there's the song by van morrison coney island mm-hmm. which is this idyllic little uh spoken word piece and uh, people take that trip i guess they do oh, the, wow. the coney island trip but apparently he gets the directions wrong at some point of his, of his own <laughs> oh, well. his own beloved ireland but yeah so maybe this will be a, the 38 hour trucking through time yeah it's the cannibal trip. run yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nice. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, who uh, emailed everything, uh, fanfic, dumb sentences, uh, emails, emails that we didn't read and couldn't respond to. We have a lot of stuff to cover, but uh, I think for next time, we're going to read through Chapter 5. That's the same number of pages as this time, page 116. Um, I don't think anyone has an ebook of this, so that's all all reading the same uh, bound paperback uh, Times New Manifesto fonted book. So through Chapter 5, page 116, support our Patreon, send us in fanfic. Um, Anything else? Nothing else at all. I, I just say, man, uh, get your eyes checked after this book. It is, oh, man. <laughs> it is rough stuff. But uh, thank you all, and thank you, Patreon people. This is 372 pages. We'll never get back. So long. Bye. Bye.